proud members of the Dread Podcast Network. <laughs> Welcome back to our live coverage of the Sukadik Gallows Red Carpet. We've seen a lot of fashion tonight, including Hermes, Dior, and even some vintage Gucci. And weirdly enough, a lot of chapstick. Must be on trend this year. Oh wait, here comes our next fashion icons. It's Andrew and Maddie of Frygy the 13th Horror Podcast. Andrew, Maddie, over here. Oh hi, so good to see you. The press is just fantastic this year. Oh, we are so excited for this year's Suka Deep Gala. I've heard the night is sure to satisfy. So, we have to know, what are you two wearing tonight? Uh, this is a piece from the designer crew of Jay. And I am wearing a vintage Ba Anana Republique. We, we were offered to wear so many designers, from JCP to the much sought-after Eagle of American. It was just so hard to choose. Such amazing fashion. Uh, so what is the theme of this year's gala? Well, after we had to cancel last year's gala, we are keeping it simple. The theme is getting back to Deke Suking. Yes, we think it was best just to get back to what we're known for. Well, we hope the two of you, as well as all of our STEAM members, will have a blast of an evening. Don't forget to drink that pineapple juice, kids. And welcome to episode 54, Fashion is Terrifying. I am the writing on the wall, the whisper in the classroom. I'm Marjorie Green, and I approve this message. To save America, stop socialism, and stop China. Stay the pie, we honor thee from life to death. Horror and real life. Doubters, the doomsters, the gloomsters, they are going to get it wrong. Horror in the movies. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to run? Where are you going to hide? Nowhere. Because there's no one like you left. What do we want? I want you to know that the movement we started is only just beginning. Sometimes that is better. This is Fashion Week over in Paris. The latest fashions are on the runway for next spring. But there was a problem out there today. One of the British designers shows had the difficulty. A model fell down twice. That's her going down once. The young woman wearing that pink skirt and the orange platform shoes. Never quite recovered after that. There she goes. <laughs> that had to hurt. That was uncool. That's embarrassing. This is at least the second time. <laughs> well, you all are just really tickled by that, aren't you? Strike a pose. It's time for episode 54 of Friday the 13th Horror Podcast. My name is Andrew. You know what? My name is Maddie. <laughs> and we are the podcast that talks about horror, horror in real life, and horror in the movies, all from our LGBTQ perspective. Yeah, and today, horror on your bodies. <laughs> well, you know, the things that you're wearing on your body right now. I'm assuming that most of you are wearing some kind of clothing. But Whether look, that be sweatpants or <laughs> yeah, but you know as well as I do, there's some there's some little kinky little fuckers out there wearing nothing right now because every episode of ours when it drops, they're like, listen, 
Maddie and Andrew, time to get naked. And then they do. Or they just put on their recent um, development from Wish. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right? From... But listen, it's like RuPaul says, we're all born naked, the rest is drag. Yeah. So today we're talking about fashion being, you know, terrifying, mm-hmm. really. There's, Whether there's... that's the uh, fashion industry or clothes themselves, oh, it yeah. could be anything. And you know what? Digging into this topic, it actually was, it was pretty harrowing. I mean, we're going to talk a lot more about this, but... I love the movies that we chose first off. It, that was a great like double feature to, to, to do, but like thinking about how we really do choose our clothing and like what goes into it, that really freaked me out. <laughs> really? Yeah, it did. Well, I'll tell you more about okay. it later, but it's, it's a lot. Well, before we get into our major topic, Maddie, why don't you tell us a little bit about the horrors that are going on this week? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Another shitty time in the world for humanity. And in the second half of April, here are some news items that we have deemed terrifying. Um, this first one, though, actually not that terrifying. Um, Derek Chauvin, the now convicted murderer of George Floyd, was found guilty on all counts for the murder and manslaughter of George Floyd last year. Uh, it happened in less than a year after that incident occurred, which for the American justice system is pretty damn good, to be honest. Um, he awaits sentencing this coming week. He has a maximum of 40 years in prison. Yeah, um, great. (laughs) Accountability is is served. Um, And I think that the reason why it probably got pushed so quickly is because of the uproar that happened after Oh, for sure. And I think that that it just shows speaking up uh, can get a lot done. I would also say the attorney general in Minnesota, his name is Keith Ellison. He's pretty rocking, too. Um, Next up, the... um, the Senate passed an anti-hate crime bill centered mostly around Asian Americans. The vote was 94 to 1, with the one lone no vote being from Senator Josh Hawley, that ugly little motherfucker from Missouri who was also behind the insurrection. Great. I love him. He's a dick. <laughs> He's really awful. And you know that asshole's running for president, too. Oh, God. Um, next up, nearly immediately after Derek Chauvin was found guilty, police in Columbus, Ohio, killed a black teenage girl. I believe she was 14. Um, the body cam videos from all the police officers do show that the girl was holding a knife while she was in a tussle with another girl. Now, critics of this are pointing out, of course, let's think about that kid in Kenosha, the white kid whose name I can't remember right now, who was literally holding like an M fucking 16 yeah. and they did nothing. Uh-huh. Yeah, I definitely did see a lineup of people uh, of varying races, mostly white and black. Uh, but it was basically like killed, 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 killed. Oh, nothing, nothing. Yep. Arrested, uh-huh. arrested. Yep, <laughs> and go it was figure. White versus black, for sure. Um, also, you don't bring a gun to a knife fight. Yeah, you know? <laughs> it's... And you know, the the, the sad... The, I mean, the whole thing is terribly sad. It's awful. But like, we just, we don't know what was happening. And I mean, that girl is the one who called the cops. Jeez. So like, it's just, I don't know. It's insane. It's, it's sad all the way around. Um, finally, this week, Twitter DMs showed bullying and intimidation from Kimmy of the podcast Nightmare on Film Street towards the host of the new-ish Nightmare on Fierce Street, host Sherai Bohannon. As a consequence, Bloody Disgusting dropped Nightmare on Film Street from their network. That stinks. I mean, it kind of stinks on all affairs because you know that it was probably 
someone on their high horse and forgot their privilege and forgot, you know, what can happen. You know, very early on in our podcast, we did have a, a disagreement with another podcast. Um, and we quickly... Oh, my God. I really forgot about this. Yeah, oh, my um, God. And it wasn't anything to this level, but it was basically, a, did you leave us a bad review type of thing? Um, oh, and, that thing. Yeah. Yes. And so... Well, know, they did, by the we, way. We quickly learned that in the podcasting world... If it's not positive, just don't do anything about exactly. it. Exactly. About it. Because negativity is only going to uh, arrive negativity. So right. it, it's just, I think that we learned really quick that um, the podcasting world and the horror world, for that matter, are very welcoming and we should just continue to welcome all voices. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that's actually good that this has all come out because I've seen a lot of other stuff come out about that podcast. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't know this, but, you know, all those people that write for NOFS on their website, did you know that none of them were getting paid? I did not. None of them were. And they're pulling in so much money from this and from merchandise and from a Patreon type thing. Like, listen, folks, when you give to, to, to folks Patreons, you should take it seriously how they're spending that money. Like, Andrew and I tell you every time, literally every dime of it goes right back into renting movies or to buying equipment or to, like... You know, when we can go back to conventions, that sort of shit, we do that. Yes, thank you for the new cord. Yeah, right, exactly. We literally just bought a new cord for our whatever that thing is called. Um, but, like, we tell you we're transparent. And if you are giving money to podcasts or to anything, really, you should ask, hey, how are you spending the money? Because that's important. Because you know what? It's your money, and we really respect it. So for the writers out there who are leaving NOFS, we're thinking about you. I hope that you find a home where you are really respected and where you're being compensated for your work. Yeah, for sure. And that's all that I got. Okay, well. Now, but listen, I, I, I am predicting that in the next episode, there will be nothing terrifying in the world. Great. Great. So that's my prediction. We'll see what happens. <laughs> I, I will call you thus forth Nostradamus. Thank you. Yes. Uh... <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's get into our talks all about fashion. Turn to love. Oh, bringing out little David Bowie over here. <laughs> copyright. No, well, copyright. what about? Um, I mean, Andrew, have you had any fashion? Uh, you know how emergencies. How, how have you been with fashion in the course of your life? Um, I wouldn't say that I was very fashionable. Um, Do you think you're fashionable now? More so, yeah. but still not like I'm not like great at it. I'm just kind of like okay at it yeah i for me i've gotten to a point in my life where i know what i like on my body so i kind of just buy versions of the same thing that i know that i like totally um and i know like what stores fit me what stores are a little weird for me so that's kind of how i've but growing up as a kid if you look back at pictures oh my god it's there's some questionable choices (laughs) you know it's like i for you and i it's like when you look back at pictures of yourself you're like god we really were poor yeah like jesus a lot of oversized t-shirts oh god it's (laughs) Everything was oversized. Every single thing was. Yeah, I think we learned in our uh, last episode where um, uh, what's his face from Joyride was wearing like the wide leg jeans. Oh, that was us. (laughs) That was like, like, honestly, the wider the leg, the cooler you were. I was really a big fan of boot cut. Boot cut was my jam. I didn't get a first pair of boot cut until college. I was a junior in college. (laughs) So they're already on the way out. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. My friend John was like, listen, Maddie. I'm not letting you wear jeans anymore unless they're boot cut. <laughs> and my mom, my mom came down to visit. She took me to the Buckle. Remember that store, the Buckle? I remember the Buckle because it was one of the only mall stores where uh-huh. the employees got commission. Oh wow, yeah, so. yeah. So she took me to the Buckle, and I like went on a shopping fucking spree. I got boot cut. I got a bunch of like short sleeve button downs, and like I got like a purple pair of Adidas. Like yeah. I thought I was the coolest fucker. 
in the world. My most sought after fashion apparel when I was growing up was all I wanted, all I wanted was a pair of swishy Adidas pants. You know exactly what I'm talking about. I do know what you're about. talking about, yeah. And... Did you, just, did you just like really want your boys to hang? You know I know, I, mean? I just, everyone had them. Everyone had them in different colors and everything, and I didn't. And I wanted them so get, bad. Did you get the two stripes? Yes. Oh, no, <laughs> Mom, come on. I got the Walmart knockoff of the two stripes. And when I finally did it, there was one Christmas, I finally got them. And my mom got me the blue and orange ones. Why did she do that? <laughs> like, you weren't a Bears fan. No. Uh, I was like, can you just give me the black and white ones like everybody else? Seriously. Even, it's like, I'd even accept a blue and white. I mean, <laughs> Jesus Christ. That, no one wants orange stripes. Right. <laughs> Unless you do. Look, if you do, that's fine. But we didn't. Damn. But yeah, I mean, I didn't have like a, a strong affinity towards fashion at any point yeah. in my life. It was kind of just like you get clothes out of necessity, I guess. I, I remember when I got my first Tommy Hilfiger stuff. Oh, wow. That was, was big, I felt like I was turning kicking. point. Like, I got a pair of, of dark green Tommy corduroys that I thought were the Ooh, coolest ever. Starting a fire down there. Yeah. Well, like literally <laughs> also because I wore them all the time even in the summer. And then also um, my Tommy just like gray t-shirt yeah. with like the flag on it. Yeah. I wore that thing all the fucking time. Like I probably smelled so bad. Like, I was such a gross person. <laughs> Like I love little Maddie, but you were you were gross, dude. You were very gross. <laughs> um, so, what were some of your favorite um, mall stores? Uh, the Buckle, um, Pacific Sun. Not that I could fit in anything, um, or as the kids call it, Pack Sun. Yeah, Pack Sun. <laughs> but like, I think I just—that's what I really wanted my life to be. You wanted to be a surfer, not a surfer, but like I wanted to be like a California kid. I wanted to look cool. I wanted to like feel cool. I wanted to, I wanted to feel laid back. Yeah. And I wasn't those things. Did you have a puka shell necklace? No, okay. and I never had a puka shell necklace. I thought I thought they were cool. Um, I thought, God, what else? Um, like our department store was Airs for a while. A Y R E S. Not familiar. L S Airs, yeah. and then it, and then it became Macy's, of course. Um, and like Macy's, I did I didn't mind either. Um, those were really the big ones okay. though, for me. Um, I definitely frequented American Eagle. That oh, was like my, American Eagle my too, staple. Of course. Yeah. And then when we got the Hollister, that was a big turning point. <laughs> you know, when we got Abercrombie and Fitch. I never got into Abercrombie. I was never into it. I was also very but... intimidated by the shirtless people that were standing outside oh, of it. without a doubt. But you know what I love to go there to buy? The fucking catalog. Oh. Because the catalog, <laughs> you had to buy it back then, remember? Yes. And I bought that fucker and you know... What you happened? know what I did with it. It was not for shopping people. You know what I did with that catalog. Um, yeah. Cool. I like it. That's all I got to tell you. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I didn't, I didn't really go anywhere else. Those were like the two stores I mean, that I... There was nowhere else to go. I yeah. mean, there was Burlington Coat Factory. We didn't have online like, shopping when we were... That wasn't we were a thing yet. It really wasn't. I remember when I first moved to Chicago, it, even wasn't, it wasn't even really a thing then. Yeah. And I remember my cousin Johanna telling me, um, just order it online. And I was like... Really? Don't you have to try it on? Like, why would I order it online? You know? Oh, and of course, as I grew up a little bit, the gap became oh, yeah, my gap. main. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was my main channel for yeah, clothing. Totally. And that has ended, by the way. Yeah. 
okay. Do you want to talk a little bit about the modeling world? Uh, it depends. We're going to talk about hot models? Well, yeah. They, I mean, I guess. Then in that case, I'm in. Let's go, Andrew. <laughs> okay. So I found a list from this model. She'd been modeling since she was 13, and she recently wrote a book. Um, and sure, her name is Leanne Maskell, and she has 12 things she wants you to know about the dark side. Do you know what the, of name, of, what the name of her book is? It's, nah, I don't. <laughs> Damn you, Andrew. Listen, we'll get that book out there for yeah. you folks. All right, number one, modeling chooses you. You don't choose modeling. What does that really mean? Um, so a lot of people, um, 56% of surveyed models actually began working at the age of 16 or below. Hmm, age 16, keep that in mind for one of our <laughs> oh, yeah, films true. later. Um, so they're kind of picked out of obscurity by these agencies. And then kind of once you're in the agency world, we'll talk a little bit more about that. But it gets um, – well, we'll talk about it right now. Does it get so, rocky? Yeah. So mo- most modeling contracts take away your freedom of choice. So a model's first agency will usually become their quote-unquote mother agency, thereby receiving the model's power of attorney. Um, so they enjoy the power to enter models into any contract without even having to tell them. Um, usually, however, usually models retain full legal responsibility. Um, that means that if they signed up, signed you up to do a nude shoot and then you said no, theoretically, you'd be the one the client would sue um, for uh, production costs. So I, I have a question there. If we know this, why are models doing it still? Uh, I think it's uh, this. I think it's two things. I think it's getting them when they're young and and not knowing what's going on. And I think two, there's like an air to this. There's like a you're a model. It's like a I don't know. There's like a you're famous because you're a model. Yeah, I mean, wait until that neon demon come though, baby, because it's coming. <laughs> uh, and number three, models don't get told anything. Uh, people often assume models are stupid, which is usually because they're kept completely in the dark. We rarely see individual job contracts as they are all signed off on our behalf. Only receiving the bare minimum of details, including an address and a time to be there. So you don't even know like what you're walking into half the time. I guess I, I, another, I mean, I'm sorry, this seems baffling to me, but it's baffling. I don't understand how in the age of me too right now, like this isn't a thing because you're under contract. Even still, though, like why why aren't there more people in that movement or just in just thinking about workers' rights talking about this? I don't know. Maybe it just hasn't bled into that industry yet. <sighs> um, number four, modeling agencies take as much money as they as they like from their models. Um, models often do not know the amount. Usually 20% agency fee charged to the clients at the, t- at the top, um, usually 25% in the UK, and up to 75% in France, which is insane to me. Um, I mean, that, that, that's just, that, this is all insane. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's absolutely insane, this. Um, number five, models are told to lose and gain weight. I think we kind of all assumed this, but some of the crazy things, like this, this girl, for instance, um, the clients require different measurements. One day you might be expected to be a 34-inch hip, and the next day you may expect to be put on a dress for a new market. So you never know what you're going to need to lose or gain weight for. Um, she has been pressured to lose weight throughout her career, uh, being measured in front of an agency each week until my hips reached 90 centimeters. When they finally did, through months of anorexia, mind you, I was told to lose two more centimeters. That's insane. 
Models live in number six. Models live in a constant state of anxiety as they never know what they're going to get, what they're going to do the next day. As a model, you'll find out your daily schedule the evenings before, so you don't really know where you're going until the, almost the day of. Um, this can involve anything from shooting abroad to sending to attending ten castings, or it might not arrive at all. You're expected to be available twenty four seven to work at the very last minute and have and having to ask permission to book out things like family lunches. Even, <laughs> I, I mean, I just this is uh, I, you know I'm just going to shut up because I'm just I'm a broken record <laughs> at this point. Keep going. Um, number seven, models are rejected every day. I think we kind of get this um you're expected to have a certain look and if you don't have that look for that that thing but the um the amount of rejection can really take a toll on your mental state of course uh and that's why you know bulimia and anorexia run rampant so often in these in these in these worlds um number eight models have to attend lots of castings so we're talking like you could have 10 castings in a day where you have to go across town and try to get to this oh, sure. one, try to get to this one, try to get to this one. I mean, one. That, that's not that different from like actors auditioning yeah, either. Yeah, sure. Um, and then some of the craziest things I've been asked to do at casting is include scream as loud as I can, dance in my underwear, sing in French, pretend to have a bath, kiss another model, tell a story about my childhood, do a cartwheel, and act like a monkey. You know, I just, I, I really do hope, though, that we get to the point where people realize that they don't have to do these things. Yeah. Like, I mean, honestly, you, you really don't. I think it all goes back to that very first one where you're under contract, and if you don't perform, then you're the one that gets sued. Yeah, but I mean, that's just the thing. You get trapped. I, 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 there, there has to be some sort of, I, I hope that, I, I don't know Leanne Maskell at all. I hope that part of what she's doing with her book, though, and look, I'm not trying to put words in her mouth, is to educate people, young models about this so that they know going in and so that they can say no. Yeah. And say, like, actually, you know what? All this crazy shit, it's not worth it. Yeah. Like, it's because it's not worth it. Um, number nine, just to add on, there is no standard job. One day you could be flying abroad. One day you could be travel, you know, on a road trip. So there's like no given schedule for any of these things. So you're, like I said earlier, on 24-7. Um, number 10, of course, sexual exploitation is incredibly common. I think that we kind of know that. Um, much of the sexual abuse is put down to, quote unquote, creativity. Um, it is especially commonly experienced by male models who do not have the same opportunity to speak out as female models do. So interesting there. That's the, I mean, that's awful. And it's like, you know, it's, it's, you know, you said like, I think we all know this. Actually, I don't think we really do. Yeah, I know. Because there's really not that many stories out there about it. I, I, in fact, in researching for this episode, I couldn't find, I, I, that was one of the angles I was thinking about. I couldn't find a lot. I couldn't either. You know, like yeah. it's, I think that is kind of weird. Um, number 11, models don't always get to choose where they travel. So you could be, let's say. I mean, fair enough. Like also, I don't get to choose where I travel either, frankly. Well, to an extent. <laughs> um, and they could be working 24 hours a day on these shoots. Um, they also may be living in a quote unquote model apartment, which is owned by the agency, sharing bedrooms with as many other models and paying extor extortionate rent. So they, on top of staying there, being forced to stay there, they had to pay rent on it. Um, Listen, everybody, don't do it. <laughs> what if we just stopped having models? It would actually be fine. And then number 12, really, none of it is real. Like, it's not real. <laughs> yeah, completely. I mean, the, the whole idea, and we're going to explore this, especially when we talk about Neon Demon, the, the whole idea of beauty is a complete fabrication. It is... We, literally, we made it up. We made up who was beautiful and who was not. Right. How are they beautiful and how are they not? And that has changed, of course, through the many eras of, of human existence. 
And it's it's entirely just a bunch of bullshit. It really is. And one other thing that I read about when I was doing the research on this is that um, a lot of times what will happen is the agency will give the model a weekly stipend for living expenses, which then they are expected to pay back when they book out shoots. So you're constantly like, it's not some like, I hate these people. It's not like some like rich, beautiful life. It's actually like constant panic of where your next meal is going to come from. I, I, I hate that. that. That all makes me very upset. Well, do you want to hear one more upsetting about it? <laughs> I mean, I guess. I mean, happy Saturday, right? You know? <laughs> we are talking about a horror in real life. I know, I know, I know. It's true. Um, I mean, so, yeah, by the way, it's me saying that. Like, I'm I not know. the most depressing <laughs> motherfucker in the world. I wasn't going to say it, but... <laughs> Shut up. Keep going. <laughs> so this is... Uh, we're going to talk about a specific model now. Um, uh, the abduction of Chloe Ailing. In July of 2017, Ailing a... Uh, can you say that name of that type? Uh, looks like Colston. Colesden? Coolsden? Yeah, because it's UK, so that's why I asked you. <laughs> uh, if, it's, if it's in England, I'm going to guess Colesden. Okay. Uh, from Colesden, she was then aged uh, 20 uh, at the time of the incident, was working in London for Phil Green's supermodel agency, which, if you don't know, is a very popular agency in the UK. Um, in March of 2017, uh, her Green, a lawyer and part-time DJ who owns this modeling agency, <laughs> uh, had previously brokered a failed photo shoot in Paris for Ailing when it was later revealed to have been a scam um, organized by Lucas Herba, a 30-year-old Polish computer programmer from the West Midlands. I'll tell you what, though. I do love Polish guys. Oh, my (laughs) God. I do. Um, Then, while Ailing was on a photo shoot in Dubai, Green was contacted again by Lazio, who's that's his um, alias name, um, requesting another attempt at a photo shoot in Milan on July 12th. Well, when Ailing did not return to the UK uh, that night, her mother contacted Green. The next morning, Green received a ransom email ostensibly from the black death group <laughs> and was written by md which is herb uh herb's alias it was the polish guy yeah um demanding three hundred thousand euro or else ailing would be auctioned off as a sex slave on the dark web on july 16th i mean next time dude come up with a better name than the black death group <laughs> italian police then visited the address which they received from the uk consulate um and turned out to be the photo studio uh, turned out not to be the photo studio at all inside they found some of ailing's clothes and in the absence of other evidence or emails the investigation stalled however after six days on monday july 17th ailing and erba turned up together at the milan consulate and suspicion quickly fell on the couple after CCTV footage of them together in public emerged. Oh, boy. So essentially what happens is they go on trial. He gets uh, sentenced along with his brother. um, And it's kind of a... But then something happens. And the UK... um, uh, What do you call the magazines over there? I forget. Uh, Magazines? No, they're called something. The tabloids? The tabloids. Tabloids, sure. Um, They kind of started to turn against this model. And they were kind of saying, like, I think you... I think you made up this story. I think that you guys used this to like, really? like further your career. So there's kind of a two way street because both Erba um, and her both wrote books about this. Oh, come on. Um, so it's kind of, they don't really know what really happened. And I don't know if we ever will. Um, and 20- also, everybody, you don't got to write a book. Well, do you, you know what I mean? Can't. Like, you don't. Um, so yeah, she's been criticized over the years, but nothing's really come um, full circle on it yet. In 2021, the 16 year sentence of Michael Erba was reduced to five years and eight months. And the sentence of his brother had already been reduced in 2020 from 12 years, um, and one month. So, wow. 
kind of a crazy story. Um, it, it, she was dosed with ketamine. It was showed in her blood system. So I, I think maybe it did happen. And then maybe they talked about it or unless she just used K that's true. I mean, K case, yeah. it's still a party drug. Yeah. So you know? I'm, kind of, I'm on K right now, actually <laughs> doing this podcast. Kind of a weird story. Um, but yeah, so that's the abduction of Chloe Ailing. Did you know that ketamine was actually a horse tranquilizer? Did you know that? I did not. Now you do. I'm not, I don't know. I don't know much about horses. Um, well, I mean, I don't either. But I know a lot about drugs. <laughs> um, and listen, you're going to find out more because after we're done recording, I brought some K for you. So get Perfect. ready for that, everybody, after we're done with the episode tonight. And also, all of you listening out there, guess what? You get special K, too. Check your mailbox tomorrow. You're going to get it in your mailbox. No, it's a Patreon exclusive. It's Patreon. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Patreon exclusive. 15 bucks a month. You get special K every month, girl. Police, this is not real. FBI, we love you. Anyways, um, Andrew, thank you for sharing that stuff with yeah. us terrifying shit so i think Um, we're going to switch focus to a different type of part of the fashion industry um and i'm going to talk more about the human cost of fast fashion do you know what fast fashion is i'm assuming it's stuff like target it's it's stuff like honestly like like we buy you know what i mean if you're if you're going to the gap if you're going to banana republic to j crew to american eagle to zara to h&m those are all fast fashion places and in other words they are they are labels that are essentially knocking off other designers sure. and creating in mass stuff market in mass market and creating just a, a an, an ungodly amount of material. And um, it's all over the place. Anyways, here's some stuff that I thought was really pretty fucked up about fast fashion in general. Um, you know, really just thinking about how the clothes that you are probably wearing right now, those of you wearing clothes. They're literally killing people. So congratulations, you fucking murderer. Um, uh, And just something to think about here, too, is, you know, think back to 2013. There was the roof collapse at the textile workers factory in Dhaka in Bangladesh. 1,134 people died. Over 2,000 other people were critically injured. Uh, it, the brands that were included within that, that factory, basically, were Benetton, Beaumarchais, Prada, Gucci, Versace, Moncler, um, or Moncler? I never know how to say that, actually. I think that's right. The Children's Place, El Corte Inglés, Joe Fresh, <laughs> Mango, Madelon, Primark, and here's the big one, Walmart was there, too. I think uh, I, was, I was laughing because you were going through all these, like, oh, fashion, fashion, fa-, and then you're like, the Children's Place. <laughs> I know, right? I know. Um, but, you know, that it, that's just to sort of set the tone. Like, People have sacrificed their lives. Um, and actually, when you think about the movie Slacks on Shudder, mm-hmm. it really speaks directly to this. If we didn't just talk about that, I know. we could have done it. I know. This. Totally. I know. Um, but it's just something to think about. You know, what, what are the cheap clothes that you have on? What's the real cost behind it? Is, and is it really worth it? And I hope that by the end of this little TED Talk that you're going to think about that because honestly I know that I am. So here's 10 facts about fast fashion and this comes from the website wherezeitgeist.com. Uh first off, 1 in 6 people in the world works in a fashion related job. That's nearly 20% of the entire world. Yeah, cuz I think when we when we think about it, we just think retail, but there's oh, yeah. then there's also all of the behind the scenes oh, and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Um 93% of brands, 93% of brands are not paying their garment workers a living wage. Great. 100 billion items of clothing are produced each year. Do we need that much? You don't. <laughs> we really don't. Three out of five fast fashion garments end up in a landfill 
within a year of purchase. Well, then you know what? I'm not one of these people because I wear my clothes out. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. The fashion industry is responsible for an estimated 8 to 10% of global greenhouse gas emissions. Hmm. That's, t- that's, just, that's, that's astronomical in terms of the share. I wonder where that comes out, like where the majority of that comes out. Polyurethane, my friend. Oh, okay. Polyurethane. Okay. Think about Lululemon, another fast fashion brand. Uh-huh. All of those tights, yeah. all of the silky shorts, it's all oil. The whole thing. Gross. It's all oil. Um, over a third of all microplastics in the ocean come from synthetic textiles, like the stuff that we are wearing right now. Um, a single polyester garment can shed millions of microplastics. Polyester takes over 200 years to decompose. Awesome. Over 13% of clothing and foot only, I should say, 13% of clothing and footwear is recycled. And one pair of jeans. Do you know how many gallons of water it takes to produce them? Well, I do because I'm looking at the number. But Shut I, up. <laughs> but play I play, play along. 1,800 gallons. I mean, Jesus. All of that stuff alone. You know, look, you got to buy clothes. But it, it, I hope that that's already getting you thinking like, oh. If I'm a person who buys a lot of clothing from a lot of fast fashion brands, maybe how can I cut down? Maybe how can I do something else? I've got some tips for you coming up soon. (laughs) But here are some really bad brands that you should try to avoid as much as you can. Uh, And some of these I don't really know because they're just I don't either. (laughs) Well, number one, they're a little European. Yeah. And they're a little more focused towards women. Um, But Boohoo, Misguided, Forever 21 we know, Urban Outfitters, Victoria's Secret, Nike, Zara, H&M, ASOS, Hollister. Abercrombie and Fitch, of course, Amazon, uh, Anthropology, River Island, which is huge in the UK, uh, and then of course all of the Gap brands. Some alternatives that you could start thinking about, and this comes from thegoodtrade.com. I really appreciated their information. Uh, Patagonia, all of their garments are produced um, in, a, in a very fair way. Um, packed. Must be why they're so expensive. Well, I mean, sure, but you know what though? That's part of what you're going to pay for, you know? Um, Eileen Fisher, United by Blue, Levi's actually is a brand that's pretty good as an alternative to fast fashion. Like a good pair of Levi's. Amen. (laughs) And then Everlane as well. And there was a really great article on Fast Company. Um, these were some good tips about how to think of doing some alternative shopping. And these are all really easy. That that's the cool thing about it. First off, they said that you should buy classic, versatile, durable clothes. So think about, like, what are the things that you can wear all year long? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, Andrew, you know me. I pretty much always wear a button-down shirt, some kind of pants or shorts. Yeah. That's it. Mm-hmm. And it's usually, like, a white shirt or a blue shirt and, like, khaki shorts or blue shorts. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what I wear. And those are things that are just good for me the whole time. So that I don't have to have a thousand different shirts and a thousand different whatever. Well, that's I can cut down. That's what um, I distinctly remember, and this is just coming to me as we're talking about it. But that's something that um, the show "What Not to Wear" would always preach. Um, I forget Stacy London, yeah, and sure, Clinton Kelly. Wow, how did I get Clinton Kelly? Wow, um, but they would always preach like get a good blazer, uh-huh. like get a good skirt, get a yes. good like one thing that you can yeah. like mix and match with a bunch. Of have stuff. your blue shirt. Have your white shirt. Have your Blazer, like you said, you know, have your khakis, that kind of shit, right? Um, Next up, buy from brands that connect you to the maker. So, like, you actually know where it's coming from. You know who's making it, that kind of thing. Buy clothes made from recycled materials. I'm pretty bad about this. Uh, Buy shoes made from sustainable brands. I think that's really important, too. A lot of shoes that people buy, it's fake leather, 
it's synthetic shit yeah and it's made from oil yet again you don't want that kind of bullshit on your beautiful fucking feet that you just did baby feet on um don't forget about kids clothing you know don't just go to some shitty place and buy some cheap ass clothes for your kid instead buy stuff that you're going to wash over and over again i don't have kids so i don't have to worry about this <laughs> but you might um consider buying secondhand now this i love to do this i actually love going to secondhand stores i'm very much into it this was a huge thing when i was growing up it was like it became like popular to shop at Goodwill and places like that. Sure. Like it would be funny if you bought a shirt with somebody else's name on the yeah. back of it. Like it was I mean, weird. why was not? Weird. And then of course the new big thing is try renting rather than buying. I wish that there were more, um, it's a little harder for men on this. That's to what be I was honest. just, that was what I was just yeah. going to say. I wish that there were more options of this for men because I really like the idea of sure. or like renting like something that I could wear to like a really nice event yeah. and then just like send it back. Yeah. I get you that. know what I mean? Send your used jocks to Andrew <laughs> as soon as you can. Oh yes. That's what I'm wearing to my really nice event. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, and you know, the author of that article in, in fast company, she made a really great point and it's, and it's this, Stop buying crap and companies will stop making crap. True. So, you know, like, honestly, I, I said it and I really do mean it. And, and I've looked during the pandemic. I really barely bought any clothing, to be honest. I bought like my nice sweatpants. Mm -hmm. That's I think that's basically it. Um, but, you know, start thinking about the ways that you can get more sustainable. And, you know, don't you don't have to buy the fucking thing. You know, you don't have to buy the fucking thing. Yeah. You don't either. It drives me crazy when people, you know, because we watch a lot of those like house hunting type of course, shows. And everyone's yeah. like, it'll be like a, a giant um, closet. And they'll be like, hmm, is this closet just for me? And I I'm mean, just like, do you on. need all of that shit? No, you really don't need all of that shit. And if you think that you do, you know what? You're you're a bad American. By the time you're going to wear most of that stuff, you're going to have to wash it again anyway because it's going to be like musty. Yeah. I mean, look, I used <laughs> By the to, time you get to it. I used to rewear underwear, for God's sake. That was okay. when I was poor. Okay. Listen, that was okay. when I was poor, okay? <laughs> so, look, that's what we have for you. Um, fashion is fucked up. It really is. It's fucked up. But it can also be fun. No, yeah, of course it can. <laughs> but you know what? That model stuff made me angry. Yeah. It really did. And, you know, I think that we need to be better about, like, treating you know, people. Like, like even I, I was like, you know, is this going to be about hot models? Maybe I should stop saying that. You know what I mean? It's like, I feel really bad for Zac Efron right now. Like, did you see all the stuff going on about him right now? I did see a little bit. Oh, I my God. People are making fun of him because of his face. And I'm like... Didn't he, are you, didn't he break his jaw? I don't know. Listen, I don't know what he did, but, like, people are, like, basically saying he gained weight. You know what, motherfucker? We all gained weight during this fucking pandemic. And by the way, he had a fucking eating disorder. So if you made, I'm, if you were listening to this and you made fun of him once during this shit, you are not a good person. And I mean that. And I also thought that he like, motherfucker. Did, when when you're saying he gained, sorry, we won't do too, too much into this, but when he when you're saying he gained weight, but it was all muscle because he's doing that new movie in Australia. I mean, or whatever. The, look, the other thing is this. Who the fuck gives a flying fuck? Yeah. It's like somebody saying, oh, well, Maddie's face looks different. It's like, yeah, you know what? Because I gained fucking 15 pounds in a pandemic, you bitch. <laughs> like, what the fuck do you think? Stop talking about, stop making fun of the way that people look. Stop it. Yeah, it's fair. And eat shit. <laughs> All right, I think that will bring us to the end of our horror. No, you know what? <laughs> no, no shut, more. Shut Listen. No, no more. You shut up. No more. Yeah, okay, I'm done. This will be end our horror in real life segment. We will take our first break, and we'll be right back with What You Been Watching, Bitch. What You Been Watching, Bitch. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. 
Welcome back to Whatcha Been Watching, Bitch. Whatcha Been Watching, Bitch. <laughs> he, were, he see, he was late. He was late on it. Usually, usually we just chime in. Yeah. But today, you know what? Sometimes we just don't. It's been a wrong, long week. It's been a long week. <laughs> Listen, so what you been, get that energy up. What you been watching, bitch? What you been watching, that's you dirty, it. dirty bitch. No, that's what I like to hear right there. Now, what you been watching, bitch? If you're new to this podcast, this is the part of our beloved, delicious show. I don't know why it's called delicious, but it's where we've been talking about what we've been watching. That's what, that's all that it is. So Andrew, start us off. What's one thing that you've been watching? I caught a movie on Netflix that came out, I think, two weeks ago now. Um, it's called What Lies Below. Not to be confused with What Lies Beneath. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> you know, someone should send them a DM telling them they're diluting the brand. <laughs> um, so What Lies Below is all about a girl who comes back from summer camp and her mom has a new boyfriend. And there's something off about her new boyfriend something's not right about brad yeah exactly um this movie it it plays a little bit lifetimey at the beginning but then it kind of i mean it sounds like it but then it kind of gets better and it the ending is actually pretty good and it's it's a weird ending i i had to kind of look up the ending to be okay like, what just happened hmm. um but the one thing that our listeners will love about this is there is a ton of female gays in this movie. Oh, that's good. <laughs> because this guy in this movie, the first time you see him, he is emerging from the lake in nothing but a Speedo. Oh, wow. So, okay. And the little, the girl, no, I shouldn't say little girl. She's like a teenager. But she's kind of like, I. it seems at the beginning that she maybe kind of like is lusting towards him as well. Huh. Because his mom, it, but it's complicated. Like a daddy kind of thing? Yeah, well, I mean, it, like, let's say your mom has, has a new boyfriend who, you know, sure. you think is attractive. Yeah. Like, that's essentially what the movie Look, is. Look, these things happen in real life. Mm-hmm. Pretty often, actually. Um, I was just watching uh, Below Deck. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with that no, trashy I know, reality I know you show. Love it. <laughs> um, but a, a family came on board, and they brought with them not only his ex-husband, um, but also his new boyfriend friend who was his daughter's ex-boyfriend i don't even understand <laughs> but that. yes so yes this does happen for sure <sighs> maddie what? wow what have you been watching okay um you know i watched a classic on shutter on april 21st was this your first time no no no, oh, no. okay but on april 21st the birthday of antonio bay the fog is on shutter right now and i gotta tell you it's been a while since i watched the fog the fog is great yeah it is such a good movie the soundtrack is so good. Like, it's a really great score. Because mm-hmm. it's John Carpenter, of course, go figure. Um, and the writing's not bad. The acting is fantastic. Like, it's a, it is a solid movie full of people from Halloween, obviously. It's yeah. just, you know, I just had fun with it. I had to mention that I watched it. If you haven't seen The Fog in a while, go watch it on Shutter. It's right there. Ghost Pirates. <laughs> yeah. <coming> for you. <laughs> so good. Give us our gold, bitch. Um, the second one I watched is on Hulu, and the only reason I bring it up is because it's a a chicken soup for the yeah. soul production. You know what? Listen, I, I saw this, and I just I shook my head at the screen, <laughs> and I said, oh, Andrew. Uh, so this, this movie is just simply called Girl. And hey, girl, <laughs> this is um, basically about a girl that is going back to confront her abusive father. And her plan is to basically torture him to death uh, because of what she's put, what he's put her through. And this chicken soup for the fucking soul? (laughs) 
But when she gets to her dad's house, he's already been tortured to death. Uh, ooh. And then it's all about her trying to figure out in her small town um, what happened. And it turns out that there's a there's a lot of stuff that she unravels. It's Damn. actually kind of an entertaining movie. It's I'm not going to say it's a great movie, but it's a it's an entertaining watch. Girl, she should have just walked away like going, yes, I know, <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> like like at the end of the Breakfast Club, where he's yeah. like, yeah, and then like she should have just like went and got brunch. You know right. what I mean? Like, see, ya, I'm gonna go pet my dog now. But yeah, that's girl on Hulu. Hey, girl, watch girl. My next one is called The Banishing. It's a new movie on the sh- on on the Shutter on the Shutter uh, on the Facebook. Uh, it, it's The Banishing on Shutter. Um, not bad. It was pretty good. I haven't watched um, it. It was it wasn't bad. It, it, I think for me the some of the plot is like it's a little bit all over the place. If I'm being honest, um, but it is well done. The actors I think did a, a, a swell job. It's a really pretty movie. Um, I think that they shot it really well. Um, you know, it's it's in sort of like early 20th century England, and okay. it's all around like you know just like beautiful church buildings and you know like that kind of villagey shit. Yeah, it's good. Like I said, it's just you know the plot could have used maybe a little bit more work, but I would definitely watch it. I think it was it was well worth it. What's for like sure. the antithesis of like what's the what's the plot? Uh, the, the the plot is um, there's this this vicar in a smaller little English town um and he's sort of new at this church okay and he takes on a wife and this wife already has a daughter and that's a big deal back then of course because like you can't get divorced and all that other kind of shit right so there's a lot of shame behind that but then like they're in this new house the rectory at this church and just weird shit starts happening okay so it's a ghosty yeah kind of and then um this this guy comes to their house one day he's like this occultist in town and as, he, as yeah, she's just, you know, randomly there as an occultist. And he like tells the the vicar about like, there's something in the house that's going to, you know, eat the little girl, blah, 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 blah. And the priest is like, get the fuck out of here. GTFO. And so then like, it just kind of progresses from there. Okay. And the house basically sort of like drives people crazy. Oh, okay. But you learn the backstory of it. And listen, it's it's all taking place during World War Two. Mm. So there's some Nazis in this and there's a cult. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot going on, but you see what I'm saying about the plot? Yeah. It's a little all over the place. Yeah. You you get it by the end, and I think it was a, it was a good try, but um, it, I think it's still worth your time, the well, Especially if it's on Shutter, Without a doubt. It's yeah. on Shutter, And also, you're paying five bucks a month for Shutter. Yeah. Hooray. Yeah. Shutter. I think you could up your price a little bit. I'm just what, giving you some- What the fuck are you- t- <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Shutter, don't listen to him. Um, so my next one is Unhinged. Uh, what I am is, right now. This is famously one of the first um, attempts to get people back in theaters back in summer. I don't know if you remember. I don't remember. So this was kind of a little starring. Bit. It was this and Tenet were the two movies that I, people, I remember. Tenet for uh, sure. Try to go to the movies, but um, T- Unhinged is about a. It's a. It's kind of goes in line with what we talked about last episode, but it's yeah. it's Russell Crowe, um, and he uh, basically. <laughs> Is just having a really bad day. So it's like Gladiator Part Two. Well, um, essentially, a woman like cuts him off in traffic, and then because he, d- there's compounding things that lead him up to this point. It's a road rage motherfucker. It is. It's oh, a road shit. rage movie. Um, a woman and her child cut this guy off, and then the rest of the movie is just him hunting them down and oh leaving like a wake of bodies in, <sighs> the, in, in the process. It's not a realistic movie whatsoever because 
how the police do not catch this guy. What he's doing is insane. But they should have just, you know, they should have just given him candy cane. It it was fun to watch a movie that was meant for theaters. Um, yeah, fair enough. Like it was like produced well, sure. and like I yeah. don't know, it wasn't somebody's indie first hit. Yeah, you know what right, I mean, right, like, right, right, right. so it's a very slick movie. Yeah. Um, it's got a lot of violence. Um, I liked it. it. Is it dumb? Yes, but it was fun. Who cares? You know, if it's fun, it's fun in the end. Uh, do you want me to do my last one and then you do the Patreon? Well, I, I have another one. Oh, you do? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, the Boys from County Hell. This on just Shutter. came out, right? Just came okay. out on the 22nd. Um, it's an Irish horror film. It's a horror comedy in some ways and not in other ways. Um, it's great. It's really, really good. It's really well done. Jack Rowan is in it. Um, Jack Rowan uh, was in Peaky Blinders. He was in... Um, Oh, that one series on Shutter about the kid that yeah, he's a serial killer. I can't remember the name of it right now, but that, it's a it's okay. a really great show. And also Jack Rowan, I just have the biggest crush on him. But regardless of that, this is a vampire movie that takes place in Northern Ireland in a, a smaller town outside of Belfast. It is uh, it's funny. It's a little scary, um, and the funny is like really witty. Like mm-hmm. it's very very witty, and it's not just like cheesy it's not okay. cheesy at all okay it's so well done everyone has fun making this too you can just see it and there are also honestly some really poignant parts of it too um it's like it's because at the end of it, it it is kind of a story about like a son and his father and and the mother that died like that, okay. that's kind of core to the whole story and then that's not a spoiler by the way either um but it's good you know for a vampire movie it's i think it's just well done and, you know, it's nice to have more good shit coming out of Ireland, to be honest. Speaking of vampire movies, if you did not listen to our Barbara <gasps> Crampton interview, where we talked to her all about the new vampire movie, Jacob's Wife. Jacob's Wife. You can go back one episode and listen to yeah, that. Yeah, listen to it. it. That was really a great conversation. It yeah, really Barbara was. was great. Um, and I think that uh, if you don't catch that, I think you can catch Barbara coming up on Kim and Kat Survive the Cellar. Yeah, she's going to be on the game show with Travis Stevens. Yeah, with the director. So. So tune into that as well. So yeah, that was The Boys from County Hell on Shutter now. Cool. Um, my last one is The Wolf of Snow Hollows. Um, I had this on demand. I'm not sure which platform it's through. Okay. I just it had to have been either HBO Showtime or sure. Cinemax because yeah. those are the ones that we have. Um, but this is um, or it could be Epics, that new weird the one. The EPIX. Yeah. Um, so The Wolf of Snow Hollows is literally about a small town of Snow, Hol- Snow Hollows, and they start to experience murders, and it's looking like it's a wolf. Oh, or, or what one person, and they keeps trying to tell him, they're like, it looks like a werewolf. Like, And he the, the guy who... This is what is going to hinge you. Chief, your... I think it's a werewolf. And he's like, shut up. <laughs> That's basically what's happening. Um, so, and then it's just trying to figure out what's going on in this town. And then there's like an increased body count and blah, 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 blah. Damn. Um, it's kind of a whodunit, you know? Okay. But um, your enjoyment of this film is going to hinge on whether you like the main lead or not. Okay. Because he has a specific acting style. Do we know the main lead? Uh, no, I don't have it on, on here. Okay. But, um, he has a specific a specific acting style that is very dry and very like sarcastic. So if you like that, you'll love this movie like I did. Sure. Um, if you can't get over that kind of style of kind of witty banter back and forth type of thing between characters, you might not like this as much. I mean, is, is it is it does it go on and on and on? No. No, it's okay. just it. It sounds like probably half the movie was written and half of it was improvised. So hmm. okay. 
take that. For I mean, what it is. that that's always tricky territory. Yeah, it is. I I like this movie quite a bit. Yeah. Um, it was very atmospheric, being in the snow and like and the and the the werewolf stuff is really good. All the characters are really funny. Sure. Um, it's it's definitely horror with a comedy twist. Okay. So, but I really liked it. So, the Wolf of Snow Hollows. Awesome. Now, our next pick comes from one of our patrons on Patreon. His Woo! name is Robert Bailey. Woo! Rob, thank you for coming in at a $5 a month level as Woo! a patron. What do we call that level? Do you remember? They oh, all have a name. The hell ra- is it the Hellraiser th- Leather Daddies? Yeah, I think that's um, Pinhead's Leather yeah, Daddies. Pinhead's Pinhead Leather Daddies, which of course, Rob, you would choose that. Um, Rob and I go way back. I've known Rob for a very long time. So, Robert, my dear Rob Bailey... We love you. Thank you for being a patron of Friday the 13th. Because Rob did this, he got to choose a movie that I had to watch. And he chose the film Chappie from 2015. It is a bit of a sci-fi movie, uh, sort of like a futurist movie. It takes place in the near future in South Africa, in Johannesburg, um, or Joburg. Um, and it's I got to tell you, it is not a movie that I would pick. Um, but it's a great little movie. Huh. Um, it's in the, um, what is it called? District 9 universe, right? Oh, it's in that universe. I thought it was just the guy. Well, not, well I shouldn't say universe. I, I lied. It's, it's in that same style. style, though, yeah. Basically, like in this, just to kind of sum it up, in like the this near future, uh, the police have like really sophisticated robots. And they're kind of like Terminators in a way, but like not so awful. You okay. know, like... They like they act like normal cops, but like you can't you know destroy them. Obviously, um, there's this one though named Chappie who's just sort of like a reject, and like he just doesn't fit in. Oh, poor you, buddy. you know, yeah, he's like on the island of like fucking misfit toys. <laughs> so like everybody wants a piece of Chappie though. You know, like the the developer of him wants to keep him, and then like these criminals want to keep him, and like the world kind of wants him. Like it's just hmm. it's it's it's. It becomes it becomes a bit of a movie about what is intelligence, who has it, who gets to define it, if something is deemed intelligent, how do you treat it, and are humans the only ones who are able to have cognition? Hmm. And it, it, I mean, you know, it's it's an action movie. There's plenty of guns if you're into that. There's plenty of like things blowing up and like. There's really funny sequences too. Like this movie is is genuinely hilarious. There hmm. are a ton of great jokes. D Antwerd is in it too. So like if you don't know D Antwerd, they're a, a music a music duo. Um, and the 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 guy is the voice of Chappie. And then the main girl, I can't remember her name in the in the movie, but she's she's in, in D Antwerd as well. Um, and so it was cool to see that too. Hmm. Like the South African band like in there. Um, and. You know, Chappie becomes this character that you really fall in love with because Chappie is sort of like a kid in a lot of ways. Sure. And he's just like, he's just learning his way in the world as he like comes to consciousness. And when when things happen to him, like these criminals try to harden him up. And so they set, they set him in this really bad part of Johannesburg and just leave him there. And then all these kids like attack him and they like beat him with clubs and they throw a, a Molotov cocktail on him and like, it's Jesus. it's awful. Like I mean, he's and he's like screaming, and it's like when you hear the scream of a robot, like do you perceive that as a scream or not? You know, like it's the age old question: like can robots dream? And you know, if they can, then surely there must be a soul inside or something. And I, I don't know. It, it, the the movie leaves you with more questions than you would possibly dream you would have 
after watching something called Chappie. Mm-hmm. So like it, I, I think it was really good. I, I, it was it was heartwarming. Hugh Jackman's in it. Sigourney Weaver's in it. Dave Patel's in it. Um, D. Antwoord is in it. It's well worth your time. I rented it, I think, on Apple. And you should, too. It was great. It was totally fun. I laughed a lot, and I even cried a little bit. Oh. So, Rob, thank you for that Patreon pick. Andrew, tell other folks how they can become a Patreon. You can become a patron by going to Friday13.com slash support. And you, there you will see our merch store as well as our patronage place. Patreon. <laughs> Patreon. <laughs> um, yeah. And like we said, it's only five bucks a month, but you can even come in at a lower level if you wanted to. We even offer $1 a month. So it's totally up to you. Like I said earlier, all of that money gets pumped right back into this beautiful machine. That we call Friday the 13th. A couple of housekeeping items. Robert F., you still owe us a pick. Uh, Robert, what are you doing? Uh, the other Robert got his in. What are you doing? <laughs> and then we will be discussing patron Joe's pick on episode 55. Ooh, can't wait. So that will bring us to the end of What You've Been Watching, Bitch. We will take another break and come back with not the, but just Eyes of Laura Mars. Oh, looking forward to seeing you. breathtaking models and the beautiful people academy award winner faye dunaway is photographer laura mars her work the subject of controversy tommy lee jones is detective john neville intrigued by her photographs for his own reasons these are police photographs they are strictly our own material they were never published anywhere at all so, my question is very simple. Why am I photographed so much like yours? That's right. Somewhere between the sensations of high fashion and the precise form of her art lies another dimension, unexplored, unexpected. Unwillingly, Laura Mars becomes a witness to a series of murders watching through the eyes of a killer. Eyes of Laura Mars. Do you see what I see? You're such an (laughs) asshole. That's so good. (laughs) Because Laura sees all. And uh, this is the eyes of Laura Mars. Maddie, tell us all about her lovely eyes. Art is in the eye of the beholder. In New York's art world, Laura Mars is making photography that is inspiring collectors and angering critics. She's at the height of her fame, taking her art to new levels in the fashion world. But it all comes to a halt when her famous eye from mise-en-scene is taken over by a ruthless serial killer. Will she regain her sight, or will the killer ruin it all for her? Plot description written by Maddie Zerditch. Directed by Irvin Kirshner. Written by none other than John Carpenter, both story and screenplay. Uh, and also David Zelig Goodman. Uh, produced by Columbia Pictures. Starring none other than the legend herself, Faye Dunaway as Laura Mars. Tommy Lee Jones as John Neville. Renee Aubergenois as Donald Phelps. Brad Dourif as Tommy Ludlow, and uh, Raul Julia, rest in peace, as Michael Reisler. It is rated R, uh, came out in August 
1978. Remember that? I was negative four years old. Uh, 104 minutes made in the USA right here. Actually, right there in New York City. Uh, budget, oh, remember the days, only $7 bucks back then. And it grossed $20 million. What a film. Eyes of Laura Mars, a first watch for me. I'm assuming for you too. Yeah, this was actually a first time watch for me. Yeah. What'd you think about it? Uh, let's see. Um, I hated it. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm totally joking. Totally joking. No, um, this is one of those, this is an era of film where I've only seen a handful of movies. Like just the 70s in like general? Like the 70s you mean, in or? general. Okay. Yeah. Especially early 70s. I've kind yeah. of caught a lot of late 70s stuff. I'm trying to, I'm trying to like, change that and that's why yeah. i recommended this why do you think that is that you haven't really seen a lot it's just there? it was just before my time yeah you know enough. what i mean but yeah. um but yeah the, i had not seen this before i went into it completely i, I didn't watch a preview or anything i just knew the you, plot you might say you went into it blind, blind. <laughs> <laughs> uh and i had a good time with this um it was a very interesting story it really wasn't something i had seen before um you know the main plot is basically laura um I always want to say Laura Eyes for some reason. <laughs> Laura Mars um, is basically seeing as, uh, through the eyes of a murderer as it, yeah. as he as the murderer is killing her friends and people around yeah, her. Yeah. So that's kind of the main plot of this. Um, and then she kind of comes back from it when she when the murderer is not killing someone. I thought some of the acting choices were a little over the top and distracting. I mean, it's but... it's it's Faye Dunaway. Yeah. Like, come on. Not even just her though. Like, oh the, sure. Like the character of Donald Rene Aubergine is is crazy. Oh yeah, without a doubt. I love when he dresses in drag. In oh my movie. god. But like, also like, what like a. What a great little gay character from 1978. Yeah, definitely, definitely coded as gay. Well, coded as gay, but also like, but also given significant power. Yeah, I mean, like this is a a, he lives a boss. Lives in a great place. He's he's he is essentially the boss of like Laura Mars's company. Mm -hmm. Um, He is her agent. He's kind of her everything. He wields for a gay man incredible power. And it's sort of like right before AIDS came in. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like, I think that there was space, there was space for a character like this. If this had been made four years later, would have been different. it would have been entirely different. Um, I, I'll tell you this. I love the music in this movie. Oh, I, now Andrew, tell us why you loved it. What? What? Am I supposed to say something specifically? Yeah. Well, that first song. Oh, The Prisoner. Uh huh. By, by Barbara Streisand. Uh, hello, he, you know he loves Barbara Streisand. I, well, I got to tell you, when this movie opened and that song came out, I was like, "This is kind of a bop. Uh-huh. <laughs> I kind of like this." And and those are those are the first words that we hear in the movie. Mm-hmm. I've never been wrong. Right. Which is what I say every day when I go to work, <laughs> every single day. Um, I did have a moment when this movie opened where I was like, are we going to listen to the whole song? I know. Like, <laughs> totally. I like, thought the same thing. <laughs> because the, the beginning of this movie, it opens on a black and white photo of Laura Mars. And girl, we sticking with that photo. And I, I tell you, I think there's a full minute of the song. It, it, it was basically like, um, what do you call it? Uh, an overture. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was an overture that the curtain was rising There's no, and for a long time. Mind you, there are no credits during this sequence. It's just the song and the picture. And I'm like, okay, I'm getting I a mean, little uncomfortable. What else do you need, you know? Um, some of the highlights for me is the, the first photo shoot that they do, I think is just The hilarious. fire one? Yes. So I wrote down that, that the shoot, the fire shoot was a mix of Rocky Horror Picture Show 
and the Batman ride at Six Flags Great America. <laughs> yeah, like, that is what it felt like. Just to give you a little bit of a synopsis of what this actually uh, looks like, it is a, a photo shoot including two flipped burning cars uh-huh. with prostitute-like girls uh-huh. fighting in front of it. And, and, it, and it takes place in Columbus Circle in New York, which is an, an incredibly busy part of town. And to me, I asked... What are we selling here? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Um, one little trivia thing, since we mentioned that right away, is one little trivia thing about that. That took four days Jesus. to film that. Well, and to like, shut down that part of New York, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. And actually, the last time the last time I was in New York, I stayed in Columbus Circle, like steps away from that, wow. um, where uh, this, these people that I knew lived over there. Um, anyways, it was just, it was weird to see it. Yeah. And weird to think about a four-day movie shoot in Columbus Circle. Holy shit! With Faye done away, and... oh my my god! Like, how do you even get that done? I like, know. Cheers, cheers to you, Irvin Kirshner. I did like who that... also directed The Empire Strikes Back. Did oh, you know that? No, Which I is didn't. Wacky and weird. Uh, I did like in that shoot where you know she's shooting the photos and then she gets a vision of um, her friend being killed, oh. and so she has like she like takes a moment, of course, because she's like freaking out. Yeah. And the guy's like, shut it down, shut it down, and then he literally says like one sentence to her and walks away and goes. Pull, pull it back on. Turn oh it back God. on. <laughs> like, what is going on here? You know, bless him. That that was his big ticket into the movies. Yes. Um, I did have to... There was a couple of... I, I, so with, in the first death, she it's, she kind of almost has it as a dream, not necessarily as yeah. a vision. And then I like that they did add the point where she was kind of playing with the scissors. So you have a moment in the movie where you think... Maybe it's her. Maybe it's her. Yeah, sure. And then that continues to... So many uh, ruse characters. Oh, for sure. There, there is. Is it the driver? <laughs> it's is it so her, many people. Is it her ex-husband Michael, who's played by Raul fucking Julia? It did have a moment where I, when when he first came on screen, I was like, Ugh. I was like, is that? And then he opened his mouth, and I was like, that is Raul Julia. <laughs> you know what? I. Raul Julia. Okay, I will say also he he is way over the top in this movie. Like yeah. <laughs> over the top. But everyone. So is, is everybody. Yeah. Um, Raul Julia. Uh, was such a delight. He really was. Like it, it makes me actually really sad to think about how he's no longer like yeah. with us. But he was so good. Kiss of the Spider Woman. Fucking obviously Adam's family. Are you fucking kidding me? Like Street Fighter the movie. Oh, <laughs> Anna, how could we forget Street Fighter the movie? Just so good. It, it was. It was nice to see him alive again. I did think it was funny that the major controversy in this movie is that is photography art. <laughs> and listen. <laughs> Talk about some fabricated shit I know. in that opening scene. Like there, there are these reporters walking around being like, "Well, clearly, you are whatever with women, or yeah. blah 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 blah." But this isn't art. I'm like, y'all, can you stop, motherfucker? It's photography. Also, there. Okay, so there is a small person in this movie. Yes, he never. The, he does. He literally does one thing. Why he, is he there? He walks over to basically tell Laura that she has a phone call. Basically, but then he's also at the funeral. Yeah, we know what this this person um, is never talked about again, and I think it's sort of a tragedy. It's it's so weird because you put such a, a different person in yeah. a, in a in a place with all the people that look the same, and then you don't address what his character. Is. Yeah, I mean that was that was a weird choice. There's also another moment like this where they bring in a male model. And the male model is supposed to be like a murder victim in the scene. Yeah. And you think like, oh, something's going on with the male model. And then actually nothing goes on with the male model. You never see him again. 
Um, nothing ever happens. And also that scene where they, she's like, okay, now get in the water. And it's like for a hundred bucks an hour, I'll do anything. Right. And then like, there are same, these, same. There are these, <laughs> yeah, without a doubt. Um, Suka Deek, right. Um, there are the, all these other models behind them and they're all dancing. <laughs> and oh my God, that one, that beautiful black male model yeah. is just, he is just dancing. Going for it. Hard out back there. Like, I hope that that dude got a bonus. Yeah. I really do. That, these are the parts of the movie that were really fun for me. It's oh, yeah. when these fashion shoots where they're playing this ridiculous like disco music and they're all just like having fun. But I loved it. But yeah, I did too. They're, the thing about this movie. Oh my movie, God, you and I, we would have been dead back oh, then. Oh, I would have died in this we, movie. Okay, like we would have been, <laughs> been on the de- dance floor oh, at 54. Oh, dead. Uh, listen, I would, st- I would be under the dance floor now. <laughs> like that's where they would have buried me. And we would be coked out of our brains. You know it as well as I, I do. Know. Unfortunately. And, and you know what else? Like listen, we would we would have caught it. You yeah. know what I mean? I can guarantee fucking to you. Back then, ugh. Um, I'm trying to think. So th- there's oh, the, the one thing. The one thing about this movie that, uh, looking back on it, didn't cr- really occur to me until now. I'm thinking about it. Is that there's so many side plots that it kind there's of like, too many side plots. Like you even have the side plot of the one female model. I think her name is Ruby. Uh, yeah. Um, her having an, a, an abusive boyfriend. Yeah, without a doubt. Because she comes into one of the photo shoots and um, Laura has to be like, oh, when you do her hair, cover up her eye because she has like a black yeah, eye. And I'm like, yeah. but nothing ever comes of it. Um, same with like the small person that we talked about. Same with the boyfriend who like uh, uh, kind of comes at her at the yeah. funeral. Like there's all these like things that are happening all there's, around on top of murders. There's there's <laughs> too like... much. I mean, the movie is what I said, 104 minutes. It's about an hour 44, right? Yeah. Um, hour 45. It, it easily could have been 80 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Like, without, like, without a doubt. Cut this thing down, and you have a clean-ass movie. I, because also, the other part of it, too, is like, by the time you get to the killer, yeah. I'm like, really? We'll talk about the ending in a <laughs> this second. Is, because... This is the killer? Like, come on. Um, I thought it was funny, just whenever we watch old movies like this, um, the commercial on the TV was plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, oh what, what a relief, relief it is. is. <laughs> I probably need an Elka Seltzer today. I'm not going not gonna to lie to you. Um... And then there's the second, there's another side plot. Can where, I ask you a question? Sure. What is Alka-Seltzer even for? I think like bloating and like heartburn. Is it? Yeah. Huh. Like digestive stuff. Huh. Okay. <laughs> have you never had it before? I mean, I probably have. It's kind of like... We but when I think about it now, I'm like, you know, what like the when, fuck do you even do with when it? When you drink like a ginger ale to settle your stomach. Uh, it's kind of like that. I'll tell you what, ginger ale sounds so good right now. Yeah, I love ginger ale. Oh. Um, this, and then there's another plot where the second person that is killed is also dating her ex-boy her ex-husband yeah, yeah which right. is another layer that i'm just like what are, i know there's a lot of world building for like a well and then <laughs> murder there's a movie and then there's also all this this back and forth about how she's clearly codependent with her ex-husband yeah, yeah. like if if he if he barks she comes over to pet yeah you know what i mean and like if he needs money she gives it to him if he says i'm here she goes which led me to believe do you do you hide money all around your apartment <laughs> i mean when you're rich like that maybe you do she like just has like a crisp 50 under her lamp no it was a hundred when she picked it up Did it you was see that? i thought it was yeah. 50 she says 50 but when you when she picks it up bitch got a hundred in her hand <laughs> and i'm like the lamp honey i haven't seen a hundred dollar bill in about 17 years i will you know? say I, I loved the fashion in this movie oh come um, on the late 70s is a 
is a moment for me. It's Ugh. something that I wish I could live through, yeah. to be honest with you. Um, and uh, let's see, what else? What else is there? There's Donald so plot. D- um, thinking about Donald's birthday too, his birthday party. When they bring yeah. out that birthday cake, oh my god, it looks so awful with the trick candles. Uh, yeah, I literally wrote the birthday cake looks awful. I felt I kind of felt bad for him because like they're all rich and powerful, and like he gets a cake that clearly had like Cool Whip on it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like whoever in the props department did that cake, like you should have been fired. There's a scene in the movie where um, our our buddy Brad Dourif, who plays the driver, Tommy, yeah, Tommy, um, where he is divulging to um, Laura that he has had prior uh, criminal activity, yeah, and and it goes too far. This whole this whole plot point goes. Well, too this far. this sequence alone stressed me out because Ugh. it's not like. In the typical driving scene where he would kind of just be looking in the mirror and, yeah, no, and talking, he's, he's, he's looking full behind on his ass. turning around. Yeah, in fucking New York. You can't do that shit in New York. I was just waiting for them to get in a car accident. Like, it was really stressing me out. On. And also, they're in a station wagon. Did you I, notice that too? Yeah, it's not like she has a, 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 a limo. Like, <laughs> you know what? The budget was only $7 million. Maybe they, they, they couldn't spring for the Lincoln, you know? <laughs> I did find it funny when um, they drive into her like studio space, I yeah. guess. what you And they, they drive across this very long warehouse before oh, yeah. they get to her office but then um she sees through the eyes of the killer that the killer's coming for her and so she, <laughs> this bitch in high heels runs the full length of a, of a football field yelling Donald! and listen listen when faye dunaway yells anything it is basically just joan crawford yeah like that is all that it is it's all that you can see in your head or hear in your all ears I- is just Joan Crawford yelling. All I, whenever she yells Donald, because she yells it a lot in this movie, I'm like, wait, Donald, like, what is his name? Because she keeps Donald. <laughs> I mean, Faye Dunaway, bless her heart. I mean, she's so good, right? I mean, she's, yeah. she's a classic of the American screen. But how, how how was this woman created? Like, where did she, what planet did she come from? You know what I mean? Like, wow. Um, just like in any photographer movie um, she definitely would have ruined all of her photo paper because she turns on the lights in the middle of a photo session so there goes a whole pack tisk tisk on that photographing uh, faux pas me having a photo minor makes me very um, critical of photo scenes well I mean it's just about reality right I mean come on because I'm old enough to where when I was in college we still did it that way like we didn't have digital was just starting to come on the market but it was still like you put it in the thing, the chemical, and you put yeah, it in the water, sure. and you hang it up to dry, and it was a very manual process. Of course. It took four fucking ever. Of course <laughs> it did, yeah. I mean, that that's part of the art of it, yep. right? Um, it was really interesting to see kind of like porno and like decadence from a female perspective yeah. um, in 1978. I no, mean, she's essentially... No, no dicks. Uh, true. Um, she's essentially a uh, sugar mama in this movie. When you think about it with Michael... Yeah, I think you're right. Which is just interesting for 1978. I mean, kind of with everybody. Yeah. Everyone is everyone is eating off of the eyes of Laura Mars. Yeah. Huh. Huh. See? <laughs> Let's see there what you, you go. Um, I'll, I'll give you that line for free, everybody. I did find it. There was a weird moment with Lulu and Michelle, the two models, <laughs> yes. where they're like giving each other massages? Yeah. Topless? I, I mean, come on. You're going to expect that in a in a... 78 slasher but wasn't one of those girls the girl that had the boyfriend yeah but they don't give a fuck <laughs> i'm like what is going on here you know you know who didn't care Irvin kershner he was yeah. like how much boob can i get in this movie there's a lot of boobs in you this know movie. so like and he got the boob 
Um, okay, what about let, let's talk about the real killer. Okay. Let's just get straight to, to it. To the end. So look, here's the deal. Tommy Lee Jones is the killer, right? But oops, here's the other part of it. He was also the detective the whole time. And the love interest. And the love interest. Which so that part in the woods where they are divulging that they oh, love each other too, is so that weird. Was, it was too much. It was too and I look, I'm saying this. I also love this movie, but it was too much. It was too much. And so like there, you know, like I said earlier, by the time that you get to the point that you find out Tommy Lee Jones is the killer, because he literally smashes through the window. I did not understand that. I don't. I, how, we, how did he get out there? Aren't we in a skyscraper? How did he get out there? That's <laughs> what I'm asking you. But regardless, by the time that you figure that out, you're like, really? This is who the killer is. I really? mean, it's, it was really the the I, I don't know what word I'm looking for, but like the climax of it just didn't work for me mm. at all. And so then Tommy Lee Jones, like he starts to spin off this tale about how Tommy was the killer and he had a talk with him and this is what Tommy said. But then suddenly he switches to first person narrative, which in the trivia, by the way, about this, um, Tommy Lee Jones actually made all that up. Oh, he did that okay. on his own. It wasn't scripted. Um, I and will so say he had a great unibrow in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> his hair was something else. Um, and so like he tells this tale about how like, he witnessed his father like killing his mother and blah, 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 blah. And that's how he became a killer. Yada, yada, yada. Very Freudian. Um, and that's basically it. And then like they have to like fight and tussle it out. And it becomes like sort of like a multiple personality thing. Right. Like it's like the, the, the detective is not the killer. The killer is not the detective. But never the twain shall meet in this world. And so Laura Mars must make the decision to kill him. She must do it. Okay, this is starting to make a little more sense to me now. Do you really think that there was a multiple personality thing going yeah, on here? Yeah, I, I, well, I, not only do I think that there was, but also, like, well, I mean, yeah, not only do I think that there was, I think that if you're if we watch this movie, we have to believe that there was. Like, th And that's just it. Yeah, because I made the note of, if he's the killer, why did he give her a gun? I, you, because multiple personality. Multiple personality. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, like, I, I think that, that that part of the plot actually does work. Do you have to suspend your disbelief and just go, yeah. that's the reality of it? Yes, you do. For sure. Were there any other um, big uh, trivia stuff in this? Um, let me have a look really quick. L let me look at my notes. Hold on, sir. Barbara. Um, yeah, Barbara Streisand, who was originally attached to star as Laura Mars, sings the theme song Prisoner from this movie. Which, look it up, it's amazing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's the only song that Streisand sings for a movie in which she does not appear. Huh. Um, Tommy Lee Jones, like I said, wrote his own monologue, unbeknownst to the Writers Guild, but accredited, accredited it to the film's director, Irvin Kirshner. Principal photography on this picture was a closed set to all non-production personnel. Reportedly, producer John Peters threatened dismissal to anyone who revealed any of the script's critical or important story elements. And uh, I've already said this, but the Columbus Circle shoot took four days. It's insane. What a what a what a wonderful, crazy, dumb movie. It is. I mean, it's so dumb, but I I think it it, it is a bit of a museum piece. I kind of feel like. Um, I think it's really worth watching. And like I said, as a double feature with Neon Demon, I think it really works. Yeah, I definitely think that this was an accidental, really great yeah. pairing. Do you hear that Criterion collection? Are you hearing me, Criterion? I thought this was on Criterion for some it, reason. It very well might be. You know, I didn't check my Criterion channel, but it might be. I but think it is. if they do a double, because, you know, they do double features on the channel, which I just think, and they do, they always do really great ones. If they did these, um, are you hearing, oh, actually, are you hearing what I'm hearing right now? Are you hearing a collaboration between Friday the 13th and Criterion Channel right yeah. now? <laughs> Criterion Channel, do you hear us? We want to collaborate. 
So my main takeaway from this was it's a fun romp through the late 70s culture. The movie is fun, but the -the over-the-top acting is a bit distracting, and the quote-unquote twist, I think, is a little undeserved. My main takeaway was the music, the costumes, the ridiculous acting from Faye Dunaway. It's everything you want in a 70s disco slasher from John Carpenter. And the dude that directed Empire Strikes Back... RoboCop Part 2 and Never Say Never Again, the James Bond film. Um, So that dude had a wild career (laughs) of directing. Okay. uh, We we here at Friday the 13th um, scale... Oh my God, what am I talking about? It's okay. (laughs) We here at Friday the 13th Horror Podcast grade movies on a seven-stripe scale for the seven stripes of the rainbow. Maddie, what did you give Eyes of Laura Myers? You know what? I, uh, I give it a five. Okay, I gave it a 4.5 just because the the ending is just so weird. Oh, yeah. But, how, how many eyes did you give it? <laughs> <laughs> but I had a lot of fun with this for being a first-time watch. So Same, me looking too. Looking forward to getting into more 70s and even 60s territory as we kind of go down our journey. But in the meantime, keep those ears ready. Keep them perked up, baby. Keep them perked. Because we're going to be back in a minute with the Neon Demon. I see 20 or 30 girls come in here every day from small towns with big dreams. Some girls crack under the pressure. You, you're going to be great. feel like to walk into a room it's like in the middle of winter you're the sun it's everything you know what my mother used to call me dangerous <laughs> you're a dangerous girl right i am dangerous boy it's it's really bright in here can you turn off that neon sign (laughs) get it because now we're going to talk about the neon demon andrew take it away some people would kill for beauty when aspiring model Jessie moves to Los Angeles, her youth and vitality are devoured by a group of beauty-obsessed women who will take any means necessary to get what she has. Directed by Nicholas Winding Refn, written by the same guy, production company, there are literally like seven. The, but, the, yeah, oh. there, were, there were a ton, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> we'll talk about that. But ultimately, it was Amazon Studios. Uh, Jessie is played by Elle Fanning. Dean is played by Carl Glusman, Ruby is played by Jenna Malone, Roberta is played by Christina Hendricks, Gigi is played by Bella Heathcote, uh, Sarah is played by Abby Lee, and when Abby Lee came out, I was like, Abby Lee Miller's in this movie? Yeah, right, <laughs> the right. Dance moms. Uh, and Hank is weirdly played by Keanu Reeves of all people. Oh, but so well played. <laughs> Rated R, uh, released on June 24th of 2016, uh, comes in at a hefty 117 minutes. Uh, locations include Los Angeles, and the budget on this was seven 
seven million, it only grossed three point four. Yeah, it's sad how it flopped. I think if I remember correctly, when this came out, they just didn't do a very good job of like getting it in enough theaters and getting it enough press and everything. That, that makes sense. It's kind of like um, Suspiria, a very same yeah same kind of thing as Suspiria. I mean, it, it actually, that's a really good cognate when you think about it because I mean they're they're both kind of in the same realm of they're art both, movies. They're both far too long, <laughs> and, and and I would say. Um, yeah, they, uh, I love the new Suspiria, the, the reimagining. I, I think it's absolutely wonderful. Um, but yeah, could it have been trimmed? Without a fucking doubt. Yeah. Um, Neon Demon, this was, this was actually my first watch. People are probably like, God, I, you're an idiot. Buddy. I had seen it once before. Um, I really enjoyed this movie. I will say I enjoyed it much more this time around. Um, I don't know why. I'm not sure if I was just in a bad mood the first time I watched it or what whatnot. 2016 but. was a different year and especially that time in our lives that was in june yeah there was a lot of crazy shit happening then at least in my life yeah yeah. i remember um so the first time i watched this movie i wasn't too high on it but this time around i think i was just in a different mindset and i you know really really enjoyed it so i i loved it I, i think this is a movie that really um artfully examines beauty mm-hmm. and who has it and what it means to have it and how we perceive it and um it doesn't it doesn't look away from it yeah it just sticks with it and it becomes a really terror it's a terrible thing Mm -hmm. and it it takes the the life of this young girl she's 16 years old Elle fanning as as a model in this and also 16 when they filmed this yeah i don't know if you knew that or that's a little that that's a little uh, weird i think yeah yeah um but you know i mean people do what they're gonna do what they're gonna do um it's about this girl uh, named Jessie. Mm-hmm. Goes to L.A. and she uh, is from a small town, and I think Arkansas. I'm pretty sure she says. I thought she said Georgia. Oh, Georgia, yeah, Georgia. You're right. And so she gets to L.A. and what does she want to do? She wants to be a model, and um, she meets Christina Hendricks, uh, who plays Roberta, who's like the she owns this agency, and she the R- Roberta's like, look you're it. Like, I can guarantee you, you're going to be the best thing in the world. You're going to be great. You're going to work with the best designers. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. Are you ready for it? And she's like, yeah, let's do it. And Mm -hmm. she's like, okay, good. So here, here's some stuff. Number one, you're going to be, you're too fat. Number two, um, You're you're 19 years old and always say that. Number three, I want you to forge the signature on this parental consent form. Number four, these pictures that that guy took for you, they're awful. We're going to get you new ones. Yeah. And by the way, like, like, and also kind of like, you should probably just get rid of that guy yeah. too. Like, duh. I did love in that scene, though, where she goes out into the waiting room to get the parental. Um... You can leave. <laughs> it's great. So there's these three girls that are sitting there waiting for their turn. And essentially, Christina Hendricks kind of looks them up and down and she points at the one girl and she goes, you can leave. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, you know what? Christina Hendricks can do nothing wrong. I know. She's, she's so good in everything. She just, she's fantastic. Um, she, uh, she also, when she gets to LA, clearly she has nothing. She has yeah. no money. She's living in a motel. Living in this motel that is just as bad as you might think. And there's this one night that she goes out with the guy that took the pictures. His name is Dean. Um, and so, uh, they go out and then she comes back home to this awful hotel room, motel room. And oops, she left the sliding glass door open on the deck. And so what is in her room? She doesn't know. 
But she runs downstairs to get the hotel manager, who was played by none other than Keanu Reeves. And his, like, live-in male protector. Oh, yeah. He's absolutely <laughs> gay, for sure. Um, but, like, Keanu... Okay, say what you will about Keanu Reeves. Ke- I think Keanu Reeves is actually a fantastic actor. I think he's I, wonderful. I have in my notes, I'm like, I just wrote, literally wrote down, what the Keanu Reeves is Keanu Reeves doing here? <laughs> it, it, it's a lot, but I'll tell you what. He nails this role down to a T. He has it down he is actually intimidating. The way that he is physical with her, and this is really good, I think. But so they go up to the room because he's like, "Oh, I can't. What's there's a the intruder in your room? What the fuck?" So he gets the live-in guy, and the guy <laughs> grabs a bat, and they go up to this room and they kick it open. Eventually, it's a mountain lion. This this was so bizarre. It's a mountain lion, it's but so it, but bizarre. that theme comes back later on. The theme comes back. the The opening. She left the door open for predators to find her. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And then what do we see near the end? That big cat I know. in the house. It was just, so, it was so strange. I'm like, what is it? I, it's a lot. I had, cause I hadn't seen this since it first premiered on Amazon and I had forgotten. And I was like, is there a monster in this movie? I don't remember <laughs> yeah. because you only see it in silhouette at first. Yeah, right, and sure. then when they, they finally do the reveal, I'm like, what the actual fuck? And does I she know. still have to stay in this? Okay. We have friends in LA. Are there mountain lions that get into rooms on the second floor, mind you, from a balcony? <laughs> yeah, I don't think that that would happen. I don't. I don't think so. I mean, are there mountain lions in, in, yeah, in, I know in that, down there? But... Yes, absolutely. But I don't think that. But would can happen. they jump twenty feet in the air? I mean, you know what a mountain lion can do? A lot of stuff. <laughs> Tell you that right now. Um, some of the highlights for me, I love when she goes out the first night and meets the models. Oh yeah. Um, that whole sequence from the conversation they have in the bathroom, uh-huh. where it is literally said, they're like, "What kind of um, lipstick would you be? What kind of um, you know, blah, pink blah, blah, pussy?" Blah. Uh, and then they they say to her like, "What would you be?" And the one girl goes, "She's dessert." And that is, you know, later yep. you find out what that. We'll really get to means. that soon. <laughs> um, there's another movie. Is she a- the one that ate the eye? Yes. Yep. There you go. Um, there's another so, uh, another line that's delivered in this another monologue where basically the other model, the kind of like head, Gigi. the head model, if yeah. you will, <laughs> Gigi. The one that hasn't had all the reconstructive surgery. Right. 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 Um, she basically says to the extent. We're all wondering who you're fucking or uh-huh. who you could be fucking yeah. and who you could be fucking to get to the top. Exactly. And get yeah. to get it over me. Yeah. And who should I be fucking to get to the top? Yep. It's, it's like this whole, she says it much more eloquently than I did, but I she, she says She says, who's she fucking? Who could she fuck? Could she climb higher than me? Yeah, I thought that I was really good. And then they go out, and this is my favorite sequence of the movie, and there there is a, a show the bondage at, thing. The, at the party that they're at, mm, yeah. where it's just like this flashing red light. But instead of showing kind of what's going on in the actual um, show, they're kind of showing like flashes of the different girls yeah. and like what they're, you can see in their eyes that they all are thinking something. Sure. Whether it's I want to be her or I want to kill her or I yeah. want to do something to her. Uh, they all have different motivations in mind. And keep in mind, and I'm just, this is overall, Jenna Malone always looks like she's up to something. So yeah. as soon as she was on screen, I was like, she's up to something. Well, and I'll tell you this. It was really great to see Jenna Malone because uh, watching Antebellum. Yeah. She's just not good in it. No. She's, 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 she's actually really, she's pretty atrocious in, in Antebellum. She is such, she is hamming it up the whole time in that movie in a, in a really, it's, it's awful. Um, this, she's actually, she's actually good. She's normal. She's normal. (laughs) So it was good to see her in something again. And she's got, you know, it's a really great character. Um, 
you know, you you go the whole film not really thinking that that character could be sinister. Right. You think that she is a protector, that she is a good person. But as goes the story for pretty much everyone in L.A., there's always an angle to what am I getting out of this? What am I getting out of this? Yeah, Jenna Malone has sex with a corpse. It's really oh, strange. That uh, so so that that that, that well, let's talk about that. Jenna Malone is a makeup artist, so that's how she's connected. She's to She's a all makeup of artist this. for the living and the dead. Exactly, <laughs> and so you know, on her off time, I guess she also does it for you know as a mortician, basically. Um, and there is a scene uh, where after she was not able to coax Jesse into having sex with her, mm-hmm. she goes to work at the funeral home. She's by herself working on this woman. And she is like, I'm done doing this. Closes the door, locks it, and then just starts fucking this corpse. It's so And gross. it is, it's real. it's honestly, it's hard to, I had to look away. It's yeah. hard to watch. I think that we could have done it's well. It's well done. I, I will say, I think if we were going to, you know, we talked about this off mic, but I do think this movie is a little too long. And if we were going to cut something, I think we probably could have cut that. We probably could have cut that. I, I I don't think that we needed that scene to understand the sinister nature of what was about to happen. Yeah. Uh, I love the interactions between the models. I think that they're really funny, actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Especially the one that has... She's basically had so much plastic surgery that she yeah. no longer looks like herself. Right. Um, she says that she's like the bionic woman or yes. something. Yeah. Um, it, which, honestly, this actress does not look like that, but... She says plastics is just good grooming yeah. is one of the things that she <laughs> this says. This actress is very beautiful, and I'm... I'm it they're, makes, they're all beautiful. It makes me angry that they would make her, like, have to just like say these i mean somebody had to um there's a really funny moment where they're in a restaurant and the waitress comes up and she goes do you want to hear the specials and the one uh girl is like yes please and the other girl's like you're not gonna eat it and then she goes well they they work so hard to memorize them and then she goes with the specials (laughs) and then and then at the end she's like "Um, just just three black coffees and a bowl of fruit which of course they don't eat. <laughs> um, uh, I, and then you know, there's some scenes that are very beautiful. There's a scene where she is going for her first photo shoot, and Desmond Harrington plays the yeah. Which I had, I literally typed into my little phone. Did something happen to Desmond Harrington? Uh, well, I think he just got old. Well, he's just so frail now. Yeah, but I mean, he just got older. Yeah, it's just weird. I, but I noticed it over the progression of Dexter too. Like he just got frailer and frailer but he's there was no reports of anything so maybe he has parkinson's i don't know could be uh but there's a really beautiful scene it's kind of gross at first because you think that he's going to try to have sex with the gold but there's a really beautiful scene where he paints gold on her and it's really beautiful until you remember she's 16 yeah paints her but also like i mean he doesn't rape her right um but is the way that he's touching her body well, with, without asking for consent. Every person is exploiting the situation. Oh, without a movie. doubt. But I mean, like, it's, it's, it's an uncomfortable watch because it is like the end result is beautiful. But like what had to happen for it to get there? Yeah. You know, how did we have to crush this lily to make it gold? Yeah, you know, true. it's that kind of thing. Uh, I forgot when we were talking about how she's also a mortician. As I was like, gee, I really hope yeah. she washes her brushes because yeah. she's doing. It. I mean, like you know, when it comes to the the what happens to Jesse, I think we we get sort of a precursor of it from Keanu Reeves actually when he says, you know, he's telling Dean like, hey, you know, it, this girl better be because like eventually, let, let's backtrack right. 
the the hotel manager wants the girl to pay for the damages from the mountain lion. So Dean is in love with her, you can tell. And he's he goes down and he's like, look, how much does she owe? I'll pay it for her, basically. So he pays it. And then Keanu Reeves' character is like, you know, you better be getting something out of this. And if you're not, then in room 214, the room next door, guess what? There's a young girl in there and some real Lolita shit, he says. It's yeah. real Lolita shit. And if you want something there, I can get you something real good. And it sort of just like sets up the the, the what that really is, what's actually going on. And I think in L.A., the the desire to get ahead is always going to be based somehow in sexual desire also. Mm-hmm. And that's what we find in this. There, Sex is all over. And like even Dean as sort of like the good guy of our film, like – Dude, she's 16. Yeah. And like, you know, when they have this nice night out, sort of like a La La Land look at, at L.A. from from Running Canyon, um, when they get back and he takes her back to the hotel, he goes in to kiss her. Like, dude, she's a kid. Yeah. Like, I mean, even he is trying to suck something out of her, literally, with his mouth. You know what I mean? All these people are. Well, so does, uh, what, what is the name of the, why am I blanking on the names of, of these models? The one it's really, Gigi and, and Sarah. So Gigi, when, uh, Oh God, in the bathroom. When she oh. goes, so basically there's a whole scene where they're auditioning for a, a very famous fashion designer who is pretty sexy, if I'm being honest. <laughs> I knew you'd like him. Uh, and they walk for him and the Gigi goes and he kind of just dismisses her. And then Jesse walks in and he practically has an orgasm. Yeah, he's her. like, he's like, I can't believe this. <laughs> You you are you are the best. And um, Gigi freaks out and breaks a uh, mirror in the bathroom. And then when Jesse comes in, um, she gets a cut on her hand from the mirror. A really bad cut. She's trying to help Gigi, but Gigi is not accepting of this help at this yeah. moment. Because she's like, you you know, she's like, how does it feel to be you? Basically, yeah. like you're you're beautiful and everyone knows it. Yeah. And uh, she cuts her hand, and there's a moment where she just like like basically tries to suck the blood out of her. Yeah. I mean, like a it's, vampire. it's a real vampire moment. And like that, I mean, that's the thing is, I mean, maybe if we had to put this into a genre, it's, it's a vampire movie in the end. Kind, kind of. of, I, if we'll get to it, but I think there's some witch, witch and stuff. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. You know, it's really looking at, at many parts of the occult. Yeah. Um, I did, I did really appreciate the monologue that was given and kind of the whole scene that happens after the fashion show, uh, where they're in the restaurant Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and the fashion guys being annoyingly fashion. That guy. whole sequence is great though. But where he basically he says makes a good like, point. like beauty cannot be manufactured. Sure. It is only born. Um, and he says beauty isn't everything. It's the only it's thing. The, it's, I wrote that down too. It's yeah. the only thing. It's our currency. It's well, what we hold. And, and he makes a great point though. Cause like he's, he's talking about, okay, now G you stand up okay and he's, he's telling dean the guy right and he's not part of the fashion world at all he's like okay do you think she's beautiful and he's like yeah sure she's fine fine and that yeah and then he's like yeah exactly she's just fine now when you look at jesse you know she's beautiful you know what's the difference basically mm-hmm. and and dean makes the point of well you know i i think she's beautiful inside too and the fashion designer says what we all know is true yeah you wouldn't be with her if she wasn't fucking hot. Yeah, exactly. And so like for all the for all the pontification we can do about like your appearance doesn't matter, this or that or whatever, you know what? In the end, in your head as a human, it's all about one thing, who you want to fuck. Yeah. That's what that that and that's and maybe it's evolutionary, maybe it's just primal. I, I don't know. 
But that's it. Mm-hmm. And that's what the movie does right there. And everyone wants to fuck Jesse. Mm-hmm. Even the designer wants to. Even if you're gay, yeah. you want to fuck her. Yeah. Because he's also gay coded in this movie, too. Oh, oh without a doubt. Uh, but he wears these slacks that just really make his butt look good. Oh Listen to him, <laughs> folks. Listen to him. Um, there is a weird moment um, where she has a dream that Keanu Reeves breaks into her hotel room yeah. and puts a knife in her yeah, mouth. Yeah, it's wild. I do that part was really weird that, to me. That, that could have been cut, too, if I'm being yeah, honest. Yeah, because right after that, he does try to... Or yeah. It's kind of... She it's, has to dodge him the it's whole al- movie. It's alluded to that he's trying to break into her hotel room. Yeah, right. And then when he can't get into there, he gets into the girl's next door and, and that, essentially rapes her. That part is awful. Yeah. Because we don't see it. It's very Greek the way that they do this. You just hear it. Mm-hmm. And it's... That, that, was, that was hard. Yeah. It was it was that that was very realistic and it was very brutal. But that kind of leads us into our like third act of the movie because then that mm. makes her that makes her call Jenna Malone and is basically like, "Can I come yeah. to where you are?" And I uh, that was another thing that when Jenna Malone was like, she was like, "You know, this is a beautiful house," and she was like, "Oh, it's not mine." And then she was like, "Oh, are you renting?" And she's like, "No, I'm house sitting." And I was like, mm. "Is she squatting? What is going on here?" Like. There's a lot of weird stuff towards the end. I think that she does. I, I think she was lying. I yeah. think that I think that the house. I think that you're right about the witch thing. Yeah. And I think that she probably does own it. Right. And I think that this. And I also think that you know what we're about to talk about. This isn't the first time that it's happened. Yeah. I think that you know going into the movie, my head says, "Oh, Jesse is the neon yeah. demon." No. Uh, Jenna Malone's character right. is the neon demon. Yeah, she's and, sort of she's sort of like the like the head witch. Yeah. Essentially. And I'm assuming that. She has to do this every so often yeah. to maintain her beauty. Yeah. I'm thinking that she's a creature that's older than what we think she mm. is. Um, just from the tattoos that are on her body and kind of the symbols that she draws on the mirror before well, they sacrifice her. Yeah, let's let's talk about the sacrifice. Okay. Because it's a lot. This movie goes from sleepy, dreamy, beautiful to brutal. Brutal. Very brutal. When she goes into that house and the um, Gigi is standing, or maybe it's Sarah at that time. It's both. Either one. It doesn't really She's matter. She's standing in the corridor, and you just know shit's about to go down. And and what, what Jesse says is great. She says, what is this, a party? Yeah. <laughs> and, and then she just runs down the hallway. She just straight up oh my God. runs. This, I don't know how much they improvised here and how much was stunt coordinated, because it felt so natural. It felt real. Like, she was, like, yeah. swinging hard with yeah. those weapons and everything. Oh, yeah. There's even a part where um, stupid girl gets a knife and then is like, oh, there's five other knives right there, too. So Sarah also grabs a knife. Yeah. But eventually they have a chase and into this into the very weird bowels of this house, because this house apparently is on top of like a boiler room or something. I I mean, you know, it's it's an old Hollywood house. Yeah. Um, And they go they end up outside the pool. Oh, one thing we forgot to talk about is. Earlier on in this evening, actually right before all this starts to go down, um, Elle Fanning has kind of a uh, monologue where she's saying, mm-hmm. my mom told me that I was dangerous yeah. and I know that I'm dangerous. Yeah. So you better watch out for me, essentially. Uh-huh. She comes into her own kind of at that moment. Yeah. And then right after that, <laughs> um, they end up by the pool. The pool is empty. Yeah. She's surrounded by the two models with knives and Jenna Malone comes out and you're like, oh, she's yep. going to she's gonna save her, right? Nope. She pushes her into the empty pool. And she breaks every bone in her body. It's awful. And uh, she bleeds out. And then we cut to um, Jenna Malone's character in a bathtub of blood. Uh-huh. And and, everyone... and and Sarah and Gigi in a shower of blood. In a sexy shower. Sort <laughs> of like a la The Witch. 
the 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 witch the way that the way that the the old witch takes the baby and smashes it and then rubs it all over her body that's kind of what they were doing i was thinking kind of um and more in the vein of like um oh god why am i blanking on her name ancient serial killer from elizabeth marjorie taylor green (laughs) no elizabeth bathory oh yeah yeah yeah. that's where she bathed in the blood of virgins right right. like it's kind of like that idea i mean i do that though well if you remember correctly jesse is a virgin <sighs> she is and she never and she never becomes unvirginal right wow so, okay um and then this gives them all the new sparkle they need um yep. uh essentially kind of. well for some of them for some of them um jenna malone bathes in the full moon which if you remember at the very beginning of the movie it's also a full moon yeah so it's a full it's a full moon cycle yeah so i'm thinking that that has something to do with the ritual mm, is that it really has to be smart done. observation there and the whole in the whole cycle in the of cycle it. of the moon huh and she bathes in the blood and the blood she bathes in the light of the moon yeah and sort of like gives birth uh, this is what i'm thinking and i got this a little bit from another uh, yeah i, I found another person that read, wrote something up about okay. this is that this is supposed to symbolize her old blood leaving her oh, body and then she got the new blood and she got the new blood from jesse it's it's really well done um and then we cut to the, the most crazy ending yeah. of a now, movie now this is when this is when shit gets i mean listen it's already it's already nutty but we're going to the nut house now <laughs> so um sarah and Gigi are going to a photo shoot where Gigi is the she's going to be standing up in and this sarah's just along for the ride yeah and um they both are looking beautiful they look renewed they look rested they're looking beautiful and um then it's a, it's it's the same. It's Desmond Harrington yeah. again as the photographer, and they're standing. She has another girl that, that that's there also, yeah. and um, she makes an offhand comment of like how her roommate is trying to stay yeah. young with like seal blubber uh, or whatever. And then and then Sarah laughs a little bit. Yeah, and then she goes, "Oh, have you ever had a girl take one of your jobs?" And Sarah's or she's like, "Yeah, yeah." And then yeah. she's like, "Well, what did you do to her?" And she's like, "I, I ate, ate her." her. <laughs> I wrote that down. I love that. Um, and and the girl's like, "Oh." My God! So they get all in their gear, and the two. No, no, the girl says, "You gross." Yeah. <laughs> they get in their photo shoot, and um, uh, as they're kind of taking pictures, Desmond Harrington's character turns around and sees Sarah sitting on the couch, and he is just mesmerized by her, and he immediately fires the other girl and puts uh, Sarah in her place. Linda, you're fired. <laughs> Um, then the guilt, I think it's guilt. It could be Jesse from beyond the grave. I'm not sure. I think, I think it's, um, because the, the, I think it's probably a mixture of things right now that we're thinking about the witch motif. Yeah. I think that part of it is the spell going wrong for her. Yeah. I think that guilt is part of it. Well, because there's in the photo shoot, they're standing on the side of a pool. Exactly. And she's, she's looking, looking down, down into, into the pool. The pool. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so she leaves the photo shoot and everyone's like, what the fuck are you doing? So she goes into like the dressing, like room, the dressing yeah. room in the, in this beautiful house and and clearly like in Malibu or something, and she she is on the ground, and then you know later on Sarah comes in and she's like, what, what's this? Is what, also what's one of these on? moments where I'm gonna puke because you're Ooh. puking. <laughs> so like she she's like about to puke, and so she finally pukes and she pukes up fucking Jesse's eyeball. Pukes up Jesse's eyeball Gross. with like this like clot of blood also, and Sarah is just watching it silent actually. Yeah. <laughs> and so then Gigi is like, "I have to get her out of me. I have to get her out of." Me. She just keeps saying it over and over again. She takes a pair of scissors, opens it up, and splits herself from like her, like like Candyman style basically, groin to gullet, and 
That's how she dies. Yep. That's how she dies. But then what happens after then, that? But, but <laughs> that eyeball, that beautiful blue eyeball, Sarah just goes up to it and picks it up and then eats it and walks away and goes back out to the photo shoot. I do. I think that that actress is really good. I I mean, I think that they were all really yeah, good. Yeah, they're all good. I, I really think. I, it was... The movie is a little long, like we've said, but I, I also think that it's a great movie. I, th- yeah. I think some <laughs> and, stuff could be cut, but... after that, it turns into a Sia music video. <laughs> yes. Um, but really well done. I And I'm... I'm I'm glad that I watched it now because I don't think I would have had the mental capacity for it back in 2016, if I'm being sure. honest. And so I'm glad that I had a chance to really just watch it and enjoy it. It's, um, it's, a, it's oh, the, very beautiful. The, the the color work that he does in this movie is really good. And also, Nicholas Winding Refn is colorblind. I don't know if you knew really? that. He is. And so like the, the main colors of the film are blue, pink, green, and white. And like when it is... Like, like when they're really into like the modeling shit, it's pink. And when it's really like out of that, it's blue. When Dean was around, it was always green. If you notice, like he even wore, he wore green huh. shirts throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. And like when they were doing photography, it was really white. And like Bright. at the end, it was like really white where they were too. Color is such an important part of the movie. It's like wild. All right. What was, um, is there any fun trivia around this movie? Uh, uh, yeah, a few things. So the film was shot in chronological order, which, I mean, if you are into filmmaking, you know that that's a very uncommon thing. Uh, the ending was created and improvised on set, according to Al Fanning. I wonder what ending they mean. Do they mean know, the sure. swimming pool scene or do they mean not the sure. modeling part? Could, could be the modeling part. Uh, Al Fanning, like we said earlier, was 16 when the film started shooting, 17 during filming, 18 when it premiered. Uh, throughout the production, Nicholas Winning Refn didn't yell action. He would yell, violence, motherfuckers, <laughs> which is kind of cool. Um, Elle Fanning replaced Carrie Mulligan after she dropped out due to scheduling conflicts. Had she remained, this would have been her second collab with Refn after Drive and her second collaboration with Jenna Malone after Pride and Prejudice. This is actually one of those um, castings that I think it would would have worked either way. I think so, but I also think that Elle Fanning was probably better for the role, to be She's honest. younger, for sure. I, I, think, I think that the younger really worked. And how a 16-year-old did that, I really don't understand. Yeah, yeah. I don't get it. That's crazy. Um, so what are your final thoughts on this? Mine were, although a bit meandering, it's a ridiculously beautiful film that you can't take your eyes off of. Great cast and an interesting story round out a great film about the perils of what we associate as beautiful. The film looks right at the terrors of deciding who is beautiful and who isn't, and it never flinches. It's gorgeous yet gritty, and it leaves the audience haunted. Yeah. What would you grade? The Neon Demon. I'm going to give it, uh, you know, I had a five. I'm going to give it a six. Okay. I'm going to bump s- it up. I'm going to say a 5.5. If I could see a cut where they maybe cleaned it up a little bit so it's not two hours long, I think that we would have almost a perfect movie. Fair enough. So. Well, cool. Yeah. Folks, that is it for The Neon Demon. Give us just a moment and we'll be right back with, uh, what are we doing? Fashion faux pas. Oh, yeah. Let's do that. See you soon. This week's hot ticket was 100 degrees hot. It was the Coachella Music Festival in the California desert. Now, this festival is so hot, all the stars love going and seeing the performers. And one of those stars, Dita Von Teese. Here she is in this jacket by Moschino, cheap and chic. Oh, explain this to me. This is what happens when you mix peyote and love boat reruns. I, I, I understand. <laughs> 
Folks, we're back with the closing of our show, but we're going to play a little game first. And the game is really just us making fun of ourselves. Yeah, that's, for that's sure. It. Um, and it's us talking about the worst fashion faux pas we've ever made. Andrew, mm-hmm. take it away. Fashion faux pas I have made. I will name three. Oh, oh God. Um, one... I was really into sweater vests at one point in my life. Like, were they like V-neck, like Argyle yeah. sweater vests? Uh-huh. Oh my god! Uh huh. With a like white T-shirt underneath of it, which is just not even how you're supposed to do that. Wow! But, wow. Um, my other one is I went through a time in my life where I was really into necklaces, <laughs> like puka shell. Not not like puka shell, but like anything I could put. I could wear like three necklaces. Oh wow, Andrew. <laughs> So. Did you have a cross necklace? No. Okay. No. I did have an onk. Of course you did. <laughs> I mean, when people asked you what it was, were you like, it's an onk? Yeah, it's a symbol for eternal life. Symbol for eternal life. <laughs> Duh. It's from Egypt. You Duh. know, well, you, you know, Bobby, our friend. Yeah. He wears an onk. Yeah. It was his dad's onk. He, he wears an onk and an olive. Yeah. Um, and then the third one is really just the many tragic hairstyles I've had over the course of my life. Oh, honey. I've definitely had um, a spike, which I don't know if you remember what a spike was, but it was literally just like where you spike up your hair. Oh, like, for sure. Like Bart Simpson. Type yeah. Thing. Without a doubt. Um, I had a spike with a mullet. Oh, no. Um, I definitely had a rat tail at one point. And then um, I definitely rocked a bowl cut for many years of my life. (laughs) I had the bowl cut for the majority of my childhood, (laughs) for sure. Um, My three uh, faux pas, uh, first starting with hair. I used to use like the Depi of the Depis gel you could possibly get. Like remember like like the green or blue gels? Like like crunch crunch? Oh, I mean crunchy. Like I would put so much gel in my hair and I would spike it up too. Like, and I did that for, I did that for fucking years, Andrew. I mean like. (laughs) From from high school on, freshman year through college, I was using gel. I just put it. I didn't know what else to do. Yeah, like, like, you know what? It, that no one taught me anything else. Right. You know what I mean? Um, Z Cavaricci. Those were a big thing for us when I was a little kid. What is that? Z Cavaricci was a brand of pants. Oh, okay. And they were like 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 they had a whole bunch of them, but like they kind of like they did some hammer pants. They also just did like jeans. But if you had a pair of Z Cavaricci, you were like rich ours were town. um silvers oh my you god silvers it's, you know it wasn't jordash you know what yeah. i mean um and then the final one for me was multiple shirts i used to love to wear not one t-shirt but two at the same time <laughs> like like the little like like the little white underneath another uh-huh. shirt which was just dumb, dumb. <laughs> like i remember i remember my dad actually telling me one time like what are you doing and i was like wearing my shirt he's like he's like he, he was like stop doing that like tomorrow you're not gonna do that and I still did it. <laughs> but like, I why was I wearing multiple shirts? Why was I doing that? I don't know. Whatever. Anyways, oh. those are my fashion faux pas. Well, that league brings us to the end of episode 54. Fashion is terrifying. Just a little house, some housekeeping items. Um, we are housekeeping. Pro- <laughs> we are proud members of the Dread Podcast Network, uh, which actually just brought on Mick Garris. Hello. Postmortem so, with Mick Garris. That's a big deal, motherfuckers. Really awesome. Um, so maybe we'll have him on sometime soon. Yes, Mick. God, you know, honestly, Mick, I'll tell you what, if you're listening right now, as soon as that happened, I texted like eight different people. I was like, oh my God, Nick Garris is on the network. Because like we are, uh, 
We're Hocus Pocus fanatics. And by the way, Mick, every year for Hocus Pocus trivia, I always win it. Keep going. <laughs> keep going. Keep going. Um, you can leave us a message on our Friday hotline. I think you only have like four episodes, five episodes left, five left to five. get those in. So call 872-208-3119. That's 872-208-3119. Uh, Want to find a way to support Friday the 13th? You can become a patron on Patreon or buy merch at Friday13.com slash Slash support. Slash. Um, and let me tell you a little bit about some new patrons that we have. Robert Bailey. So good to have you with us. Uh, and thanks for that great pick of Chappie. Robert F., thank you. And Fana D., thank you for being new patrons with us, you little sweet angels. Also, don't forget social media. You need to come follow us. On Instagram and Twitter, it's the same handle, at Friday13. That's at Friday13. Go to our new beautiful website uh, at www.friday13.com. Search for us on Facebook. And please don't forget to rate and review us. And also, <laughs> guess what? There's one more thing I want you to do. Andrew, you know what it is? Do you know what I want them to do? I've got, a, I've got an idea in my head of what it should be. But what I think I want them to do and what I'm going to tell them to do is what I need you to tell them with me. And it's this. I want you to get a pizza, get a glass of wine, and then I want you to get, get slayed. slayed.